I mean, it does seem, and I want to hear way more, but it does seem like this is the type of thing where at least the opportunity is present for someone to get weird, right? Like this to me seems very delicate. Yeah. I can see, I can begin to at least see the, the science here. What's up, guys? I'm here to tell you this episode is brought to you by CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is a new, fast-growing, tech-enabled, well-capitalized, community-powered alternative to traditional health insurance. Founded by Andy Schoonover, a proven founder and entrepreneur with a successful track record, including a $100 million-plus exit. By the way, Andy's been on this podcast in the past. CrowdHealth uses the power of crowdfunding, member ratings, unlimited choice and huge cash pay discounts to provide a simple considerably less expensive solution to managing your medical bills crowd health gives you full agency and sticks with you no matter where you move or what jobs you take on you've heard of big pharma but you may not know big insurance is actually the man behind the curtain with 12 of the last 15 heads of the FDA taking jobs in big pharma and 64% of its funding coming from private industry, don't hold your breath waiting for the government to save the day. It's safe to say our system's broken. It's time to take your well-being into your own hands, and CrowdHealth helps you do just that. You'll pay into your individual account monthly, and if you ever want to leave, you'll simply pay a $250 closing fee, and they will return the entire balance in your account to you because it's your account because it's crowdfunded we all have a vested interest in each other's health they even cover up to three hundred dollars a year in routine wellness visits so far for every one hundred dollars members have paid into their accounts an average of only thirty dollars has been paid out so you can expect to see your money grow in your account over time take that big insurance Join today by visiting joincrowdhealth.com and using the promo code KLP to pay only $99 a month for the first three months. That's joincrowdhealth.com, promo code KLP. Joincrowdhealth.com, get you some. All right. Well, Philip Parkinson, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. I was looking forward to it. Yeah, I actually want to jump in at a very strange and probably unexpected place. All right. um, oh, shoot. First of all, do you want a kombucha? I, do you I, drink kombucha? I do drink kombucha, but you want I, one? I, I'm, I'm good for now. You good. All right. So this is a uh, kombucha. Our friends in the neighborhood started making kombucha in the last, I don't know, year. Nice. And it's legit. I know Kobe doesn't drink kombucha, but it's the best kombucha that I've had personally. Anyhow, I have some if you want one. You just let me know, Kobe, and grab it out of the refrigerator. My, my um, wife actually makes ours. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, my wife made some too, but uh, and does again too, but she doesn't um, CO2 it or whatever. Okay. And this stuff is like fizzy. It's nice. like, it tastes okay. really good. Yeah, there you go. Does your wife CO2 it also? Or she no? does not. Okay. No. Yeah, we don't, we don't, I don't think we know how to do it or have the stuff. Um, I want to jump in at, at um, actually bedwetting, which is how we found you, I believe, for kids. Yes. Bedwetting for kids. Um, and we have a kid that would is, you know, is too old to be wetting his bed by most standards, but mm -hmm. some kids have it. Um, and then you got us on this, uh, or Mariana got us on this 
Mimosa pudica stuff. Yes. Parasite yeah. cleanse of some kind. Yes, the cell core parasite cleanse. Yeah, I want to hear more about that. But first, do you have thoughts on bedwetting for kids? What age should it generally or does it generally stop? What age is it really a concern if it continues all of that? That one is really a hard question uh, in, in that I don't know that there is, you know, concrete uh, information as far as uh, ages. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, most kids, once the um, kind of the, the potty training has has completed, so, you know, around mm-hmm. age two or three, uh, a lot of kids are, are beginning to, to stop at that point. Um, uh, I, I would say, uh, as far as concern, um, you know, I, I have seen, uh, some kids with, within my office that are, uh, around like age 10, mm-hmm. 11. That's and, our, our, our situation. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and that, that is a concern. Uh, but, but for me, I, it makes me wonder the underlying roots, mm-hmm. um, so is it uh is it parasitic is there some sort of uh anxiety stress uh, uh underlying uh, like emotional trauma uh, that they're holding on to um so there can be a, a wide range of of things that are going on that are uh leading towards the the bedwetting mm-hmm. um I, I know for for some kids it's um, it, it's almost a. Their body is not waking them up, when they need to wake up. Mm-hmm. Um, have talked to some, uh, and uh, it's almost like a, a dream state, for them. Mm-hmm. It almost in their dreams, they are going to, uh, in their dreams they go to the bathroom. Yep, and and so it feels like to them they're in the right place and bedwinning occurs um so uh not sure if i'm completely answering your your question there Mm -hmm. um no that that is exactly i mean shoot i i wet my bed as a kid i I wasn't a consistent bedwetter but i distinctly remember having a dream about going to the bathroom and guess what i was going to the bathroom you know so it happened but um but i wasn't a consistent bedwetter as a kid but um but Mariana is, uh, sh- she, um, I think sh- she either had, she either had, um, some consistent bedwetting problems like later on as a, as a kid that, you know, mo- most kids weren't, or it was someone else in her family. I forget mm-hmm. which, um, but our, our, ours is, you know, we have five and this just happened with, with one of them. Right. And I definitely won't call him out, but he's over eight and under 12 it's like this is the time where you would normally wouldn't would not be wetting the bed. Yeah. Um and um and which is why we wanted to to come see you to see what was going on cuz she's been working with our family nurse practitioner yes on it for some time and um no one seems to be that worried about it. Like she's done some research on it. She has some experience with it. Yeah, I think even Jamie, our family nurse practitioner, is like, look, this just happens for some kids. Yeah. Um, I don't know that he has had 
emotional trauma other than he's one of five kids, which is pretty emotionally traumatic enough, I think. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it can be. Um, so from your perspective, you'd be looking at, um, you mentioned some things held in the, in the body. Did you say trauma held in the body? Could yeah. that cause it? Uh, it it's, um, we all experience things differently in life. And, um, and so that emotional stressor or, or trauma can be, uh, can be stored in, in various places within, within the body. Um, so it, it, it definitely could be an emotional type stressor, mm-hmm. uh, going on here. It could also be parasites. Could also be parasites. Is that right? It is. Because is that, um, so I was not at the muscle testing that we mm-hmm. had two of our kids at. Right. You and I, I heard about it from Marianne. It sounded very intriguing <laughs> and also sounded a little bit like witchcraft. It, and I, um, I totally understand. Yeah. <laughs> I do so totally I was like, understand. man, if I get this guy on the podcast, I would love to hear about it. Yeah. Um, because this is the, this is the, the truth of this, this, the, the situation of this subject matter in general. I kind of came from a very traditional mainstream approach with healthcare. Like my mom had us in the hospital and, you know, I, I was raised Mennonite and, um, my wife was raised Amish and you might think that, you know, they would be very similar, but we were raised pretty much. I just felt like we were raised very kind of mainstream when it came to healthcare. Um, but Mariana, um, you know, her mom had all nine of their kids at home mm-hmm. and, my oldest sister had her first baby in the hospital and it turned like it was a fine birth. Uh, first of all, people can have their babies wherever they want. Right. Um, I'm just glad I don't have to have any, but she had <laughs> her first kid in the hospital. It was like $13,000 and everything went perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And um, it was not the best experience. And then I think her second, maybe she had him at home and then my next sister had her babies at home and I get married to Mariana and she's like, well, why would, you know, we have them at home. We get a great midwife and that's, you can have them at home. And now I'm thinking, well, man, what are we going to do next? Like start making our own clothes and churning our own butter and homeschooling, you know, going on down the list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and we haven't done, um, well, she does make her own butter now, but um, she, anyhow, we... I have been stretched at multiple points along this journey where I will approach something. And to me, it sounds crazy. Mm -hmm. And then I see it, I see it or experience it. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I get it now. That kind of makes sense. And that has happened over and over and over in like the 16 years we've been married. Mm -hmm. And so I, I do give credit to Mariana because countless times she will bring something up or want to do something or point something out or whatever it is that to me at first glance sounds ridiculous yeah and then I learn more about it I do my own investigation on it I don't ever like to take her word for it and um and then you know so and then I feel like you know countless times I I get it I've gotten fully on board um but anyhow the muscle testing thing I want to dig into which is why I wanted to have you on because that's another like that's another frontier yes um but first this is um did you suggest this for the for the parasites, which could be behind the bedwetting? Um, so, Cellcore's uh, uh, parasite cleanse uh, is something that I use as far as with my own patients. Um, uh, kind of my relationship uh, with Jamie uh, mm. is uh, I kind of 
um, aid her by, by doing, um, muscle testing for her, mm-hmm. for her patients, and then, uh, send those, uh, findings to her so that, uh, she can, uh, make the recommendations, uh, from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do know that they, they use uh, a lot of the same, uh, products that we do as well. Okay. So uh, when it comes to, um, your work with Jamie then, is it often that she is looking at a patient coming up with some of her own opinions on what might be going on and what might be helpful. Mm-hmm. And then some of them go over to you and get seen by you. And then without, you know, do you, does she communicate with you first and you sort of back it up or you, she does her own stuff, then mm-hmm. you do your own stuff and then you compare notes. How does this work? So yeah, usually uh, it's, she's, she has done her own uh, diagnostic work and then I'm kind of like an extra diagnostic tool for her. Mm. Uh, usually, uh, hopefully backing up what she is kind of thinking what is going on and uh, is kind of like a confirmation thing. Okay. And who is Jamie? So Jamie Arroyo with uh, with Hopewell Family Care. Oh, what is this? Stink bug. Got a friend. Oh, yeah, this is a stink bug. Look at that. Thank you. Um, yeah, good catch, uh, Kobe. Jamie Arroyo at Hopewell Family Care. And I think people can just go actually on... Instagram and find Hopewell Family Care. I think it's just Hopewell Family Care. They're in Hermitage. Yeah. And um, she has lots of great information that she puts out on. She really does. Yeah. yeah. And we found her pretty soon after we moved to Na- uh, Nashville. We moved to Mount Julia in 2014. Okay. And found her, excuse me, pretty soon after. And um, she has been, um, I mean, she's sh- she's been super, it's hard to actually state how helpful she's been to us and her family and so many people. Um, yeah. Really? Yeah. She's gotten busy too. Like it's hard right. to, I think you don't really get to see, I don't, I don't know that new people signing up really like get to pick her now. She's yeah. so busy. Yeah. They have other family nurse practitioners yeah. in their office who are all great as well. They are. But yeah. Yes. But our, our contact was Jamie and we just love Jamie to death and yeah. we really have a high level of trust mm-hmm. in, in her. Um, which, you know, I guess maybe a lot of people would say that they do with their health care providers. But, you know, one of the things that has been surprising to me is how often in the last number of years we'll be talking some friend, maybe they're out of town, maybe they're here or whatever, and they'll just be like, now you now now what is this? You know, like yeah. this, uh, there, this, she a doctor? Like, what? Why do you go there? I mean, I remember when I when I'm 38 now, and I have only getting my been getting my blood tested annually for probably six or seven years. And I remember the first time I didn't have a category for it in my mind. Like, well, what do we? What do I call her and ask to test my blood? What do I say? What's this called? Yeah. And I have I have been surprised how often in the last couple of years I have bumped into people my age. That have never had their blood drawn, right? Not one time. Yeah. Like, but so I don't know who they're trusting in terms of like who they consider their healthcare provider or whatever mm-hmm. their general practitioner. But I don't understand why people aren't getting their blood drawn, or at least know about this is something that could be helpful to yeah. do. So all these things that Jamie was has been super beneficial for us with. Um. Okay, so Jamie will see a patient and then if she wants further clarity or 
in what cases would she kick this patient over to you then? Yeah, especially when, uh, whenever there is the thought about parasites in particular. Mm. Um, because parasites are so hard to find in like regular testing, um, of course, the, the kind of the common standard for, uh, for parasite testing is like a stool test. Um, so you have to send in a, a stool sample and they search to see if there's parasites. The, the hard part with parasites, parasites don't want to be found. Mm. They, they want to stay in the host. Um, but the, the most likely time that you could catch them in a stool sample is around a full moon. Uh, full moon uh, parasites are most active around full moon. Hmm. Uh, Why? Uh, I, I believe it goes along with kind of like the, the cycles, um, kind of like of the earth. So, you know, the water, the tides, um, uh, that would be my, my best mm. educated uh, theory mm-hmm. uh, regarding parasites and, and why they would be the most active around that. Um, uh, I know from, from the time of working in hospitals, um, that it that seems to be the time that things kind of go haywire. Is is around really the moon. yes, around the time of full moon, uh, babies are are born a lot around full moon time. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Well, and what else? When you say haywire, what are we talking um, about here? That's when like the emergency rooms get packed. Um. Yeah, it's huh. it's just it's very interesting the the kind of the phenomena around uh, full moons hmm. is um, has always been an interesting one to me. So there's something about the energy or whatever? Possibly, yeah. At the time of a full moon yeah, where people might be more active or they might be doing things they wouldn't normally do or what's causing the emergency room visits, do you think? I, 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 I do wonder. It, it's a time when people are doing things that they wouldn't normally do. Um, hmm. But it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's because of uh, kind of our, our chemistry, our makeup, um, since we are a lot of water. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's questions that, uh, yeah, it's a question that I don't know that anybody has a concrete answer to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something that you can kind of watch and look at all the times and... Fascinating. And in any case, you're saying parasites get... Now, when you say they're more easily discoverable over the time of a full moon, is this because there are more of them or they're more active? They're more active. They're more active? Mm-hmm. And you notice them quicker in a stool sample or in muscle testing? Or how, how would you notice well, them? So uh, around the full moon, uh, um, as I was saying, the, uh, for a stool sample, if you're trying to find them in a stool sample, it's more likely that you're going to find them around the full moon because of their activity. I see. Um, but as far as like muscle testing, it, you know, it doesn't have to be a full moon. Okay. Do. Okay. Yeah. So Jamie will most frequently send you a patient for you to do, you know, your, your, um, testing on mm-hmm. if it is possibly parasite related. Is that accurate? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So there's something about mus- muscle testing that is particularly, um, effective with, Picking up on parasites. Yes. I see. And then if, and um, this is another thing that 
that uh, was, I, I don't know, I guess maybe a little bit of a surprise. The owner of our gym is um, super healthy yeah, and uh, super fit, very buff, uh, great dude, probably my age or a little younger. He texted me in the last couple of weeks and was like, you ever, have you ever heard of a parasite cleanse? <laughs> <laughs> I have heard of a parasite cleanse yes. because Mary, this is one of those things that Mariana has had us do a number of times in the last, you know, 15, 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I usually go along with it if she's going to have the family do it because apparently it's better if everyone in the family does it at the same time because otherwise, you know, if, if I have parasites and then, you know, three people do a cleanse, but then I pass it back to them or whatever. Right. Is that somewhat accurate? Uh, it, it can be. Yeah. Okay. And it, kind of depending on the type of parasite, some, some are more easily transmissible between okay. family members. Yeah. So anyhow, he, uh, he texted and said, wondered if I'd ever heard of doing a parasite cleanse. And I was like, Oh, I've totally heard of it. We just started one right now. And I texted him <laughs> a picture of this bottle and, um, he mentioned that it is not common in America. He had, he was just learning about it, which yeah. was very much of a surprise to me. But he also mentioned that it's more popular in some other countries. True. Which I had never heard of. Yeah. Do you know anything about that? Well, it, I, I, I do know in uh, other countries um, that they will do a parasite cleanse at least once a year. Um especially uh, countries like Africa um, uh, seem to seem to be some of the more prevalent as far as like really going at making sure that they're going after them at least once a year. Hmm. Um, uh, kind of similar to you come uh, my upbringing was very much Western medicine came from a very conservative family. Uh, we went to the hospital, went to the doctor for everything Um and so it wasn't um, probably our, our journey towards more um, holistic health, crunchy, mm-hmm. um, probably started while uh, I, I was in the Air Force uh, stationed over in England and was really started, uh, had my mind opened more to uh, that more holistic care uh, there as far as like their births. Uh, like midwives and doulas are very heavily involved uh, in a lot of the births. And, you know, I'd never, never really even heard of, of that until mm-hmm. we were there. Um, and then uh, a little bit later within the Air Force was when uh, I was introduced to chiropractic and the chiropractor who uh, happened to help my wife out uh, during her second pregnancy was a guy who uh, practice both chiropractic and uh, the field of applied kinesiology, mm-hmm. uh, which is where kind of the muscle testing uh, falls under the umbrella of applied kinesiology. Okay. And so that was my, my introduction to it and kind of uh, jump started my uh, interest in, in learning things. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in chiropractic school uh, on the subject of parasites uh, all the way through school, still not really talked about as, as a thing. Hmm. Uh, it's still more looked at as a, a third world issue. Um, it, it feels like sometimes we in, in Western uh, society, Western medicine kind of stick our heads in the sand regarding parasites. 
but parasites are, are a lot more prevalent and common um, in the United States uh, than you know anybody would ever think about. Oh, yes, yes. Apparently, you can sometimes see... Okay, when you start doing a parasite cleanse, they come out of your body, right? Yes. You pass them. Yes. And sometimes you can see them in your stool. Yes. Which is disgusting. But in theory, it's better to have them in your stool than living in your body, right? Right. Um, and... Uh, Marianne has also mentioned that sometimes the parasites can wind up in your brain. Is that true? It, 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 or at least that headspace. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, personal personal story here uh, kind of prompted me that it was time for me to, to do my, my next parasite cleanse. Um, recently, um, I, I woke up with just like extreme amount of sinus pressure and pain. And I was like, oh, great, I'm getting sick. And... So um, we had just invested in uh, the Nabaj, uh nasal irrigation, which is more like an automatic thing. So it, uh, it will send the water up into one nostril and then it sucks out the other nostril. Okay. And um, so similar to a... Um, it's to the neti pot. Neti pot. With, yeah. I've, I've done but that. But this is more automatic. And, okay. And it has a, um, a basin that it kind of catches everything. Mm-hmm. And... In addition to the mucus that was being rinsed out, there were these little bitty parasites uh-uh. floating around in my water, and I, I, I was like, "Okay, it, it, it's uh, it's time." Wow! How'd you know they were parasites? I uh, just having studied parasites, and okay. and it, they were so obviously different from the mucus. Hmm. Um, yeah, just. They look like tiny, tiny little rice pieces or something. Yeah, tiny little. And they were in your sinuses. Sinuses. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so. yikes! Yeah. So you <laughs> so, did a parasite cleanse. Yes. And then, so do you suggest that people do a parasite cleanse on an annual basis, or do you? What do you suggest when it yeah. comes to this? Yeah. So that. Uh, so after like the initial, uh, you know, if, if somebody has not done a parasite cleanse before. Um, kind of the recommendation it's usually like a um uh, like a 30 day um process where uh like number one you want to make sure that first of all your your detox pathways are open ready to to move everything out um because as you go to work in killing these parasites off the things that they've ingested that they've taken on can get released into the body and so we don't want uh any sort of like backup of like toxins within the body the things that these parasites have maybe eaten or they're they're you're you're playing the host for them at that point so they're taking things in and if you start to do a parasite cleanse they can release those things yeah as they die off and so that that's why it's important for like for that those detox pathways to be open so uh making sure that we are uh supporting the the kidney and liver uh functions um as as well as uh Often, especially with like the cell core uh, parasite uh, uh, cleanse, uh, there's included in in that a binder. And so these binders are are there to hopefully, in effect, as you're killing off the parasites, uh, those binders will help to grab onto 
those toxins that are being released so that your body can go ahead and flush them on out. Okay. So when you say making sure your toxin pathways or whatever you said are clear, yeah. what are you referring to? Um, so in the kidneys. Yeah. So, uh, it, specifically the, the kidneys and, and liver are, are big, uh, toxin organs that, mm. that kind of process everything for us. Um, our pathways are, are of course, um, include the, the lymphatic system as well. Mm. Uh, so, uh, another thing that I find a lot in people is, um, that their lymphatic system is just not moving the way that it needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, we can all experience that in, in some form. Um, but if those pathways are, are stopped up, that's kind of an area where toxins can kind of just build up mm-hmm. and kind of remain in the body. Mm-hmm. And once you re- reach kind of a certain load, that's when you start feeling ill. A certain load of toxins? Yeah. Okay, but how do people get these toxin pathways open? Like, how do you get your kidney, liver? I assume the one thing you want to be paying attention to, because I heard this from <clears throat> Mariana, which is you want to make sure you're pooping plenty, Yeah. passing this yep. stuff. Aside from making sure that you're pooping every day or multiple times a day or whatever you're supposed to do, Yeah. how do you make sure your toxin pathways are yeah. clear? It, and all that, it, so, so many people aren't having bowel movements. Like every it, day? Yeah. People don't poop every day? Uh, I will talk to people and ask them, and sometimes it's like every other day, and, and huh. I'm like, you need to be having a bowel movement at least once a day. What if it's six or eight times a day? If it is that many. for a friend. <laughs> if it's that many. Uh, <laughs> Kobe wanted to know. I'm, I'm really? Dude, I poop. I will poop six times a day. Yeah. Well, it, I don't know if it's good or not. I I think it would all depend on the consistency mm-hmm. and um, probably amount. But yeah. Uh, oh, it ain't much. There's not much consistency there. I think it's the. I think it's like my. Honestly, to be honest with you, I think it's creatine, the whey protein. Okay. Um, like if I were to just not have any of that stuff mm-hmm. and just have you know, I don't know, a sandwich or, or, or whatever. Um, I don't think it would be like that. Yeah. I can see that. But I try to use the, the good quality protein. That's, um, it's, I don't know the difference, but there's whey protein and there's other protein. Mm -hmm. I I don't know a lot about that stuff, but I try to use the good stuff. Yeah. Um, but is, is it, um, all right. So someone should be pooping every day, but if they're pooping six times a day, it, I, I can't say that for, for sure that it would be, would be problematic, but mm-hmm. if if you are having uh, like loose stools mm-hmm. uh, a lot, then um, th- that could be showing that your body is is trying to deal with some things. Okay, something's grumpy or yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's um. Let's actually now go back, and I want to hear a little bit of your sort of your overall philosophy now for health. Yeah. But I'd love to hear how you got there. Yeah. So um, take us back to, you said you were from yeah. more of a Western style of medicine, um, sure. which I actually like that term because the one term that po- has been popping up a lot, does pop up a lot, is traditional versus um, alternative. Mm-hmm. 
never occurred to me until today. I was researching something, I think, related to muscle testing for tonight. And I've seen this term a hundred times, thousands of times, whatever, is traditional versus alternative. Mm-hmm. And the traditional was referring to Western. Yeah. And all of a sudden, for whatever reason, I never had this thought before. I was like, that seems actually a little bit backwards. Because traditional, I would think of as like stuff you've been doing for thousands of years. Yeah. yeah. But now we're calling the new stuff traditional and the more holistic, you know, actually traditional, the ancient stuff, mm-hmm. we're calling it alternative. Yeah. Seems a little suspect. Like, there, there, There's a big rabbit hole that you could go down there. Yeah, I would imagine so. I would imagine so. And I think like with a lot of things, you could probably just follow the money. Yeah. Um, And there's a lot of money in Western style of medicine. There's Mm -hmm. a lot less money in it more um, holistic. Yeah. Uh, Anyhow, I'd love to hear your kind of your overall philosophy on health and then kind of your journey into that. Okay. Um, As far as philosophy on, I mean, I, I truly believe that um, our bodies were created um, to heal. Um, given uh, no resistance, no um, uh, no things that, that stop the body from healing, um, our bodies are, are incredible in, in regeneration. And, and healing itself. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, the, I would say that's probably my biggest um, mm-hmm. c- kind of where I come from. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> yeah. I'm trying to, th- to think of the word that I'm trying to th- come up with here. Um, You're just saying if in general you can put good things into your body and stay out of its way and give it what it needs. It generally will take care of itself. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, um, as you probably well know, uh, it's hard to find now, um, food sources that have not been treated or messed with in some way. And all of that can mess with, with, our body's like natural abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's where I, I, I try to, you know, if I'm eating meat, I'm trying to find, uh, the best grass fed, grass finished, uh, meat that I can find. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, when I can I go after the organic, uh, fruits and vegetables. Um, but often it's, it's hard, hard to find, especially if you're like on the move. Mm-hmm. Well, a real quick note on that, um, with it being hard to find clean things, I'm Googling this super quick because I want to make sure. <clears throat> I'm thinking sodium benzoate is what I'm thinking of. And yeah, that is right. So <clears throat> I was uh, thinking recently how, um, well, I was looking for, uh, what's it called, anhydrous or non-hydrous. I was looking for distilled caffeine. For something. And I wanted it to be from plants as opposed to chemi- chemical. And I wanted it to be to be clean. Yeah. And I found this place that had caffeine distilled 
and it was in liquid form, which was perfect for what I was looking for. And you only use a tiny little bit of it. So like yeah. this jar or jug or whatever that I was going to buy was going to last for a long time. Yeah. And uh, there was caffeine in it, of course. And then there was two other things um, that were fine, if not even maybe a little bit beneficial. And then there was this sodium benzoate. And I was like, mm, I don't well, I just Google it. Well, as it turns out, it's a preservative and it has been linked with cancer. Like we're just selling this stuff, and it's in a lot. Actually, it's yes. in a lot of things. Um, so now I think that if I would have gotten that caffeine and it had a little bit of sodium benzoate in it, you know what also has a lot of sodium benzoate in is um, diet sodas. Yes, they have a lot of that. And um, so my my point is that um, I could have gotten that caffeine, used it for what I was going to use it for, it'd been fine. Mm-hmm. It w- probably would have been fine. I wouldn't have gotten cancer just from buying that one thing. But when you add up all these things and you're drinking lots of diet sodas and then you're having all over the place. I mean, you, you have preservatives. The, it it can cause cancer. It, it's a compounding effect. It, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So, I, you know, I don't. I guess it's just one of those things where the the money sort of creates the laws that it needs to create in order for this system to work and Mm -hmm. whoever makes sodium benzoate you know can make money on it but it's not just making money on it it's it's using it to 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 make whatever else you want to make preserve you know what i mean yeah to sodas or whatever it is um yeah i don't know it was just sort of surreal that i was like googling the different ingredients because i never do that um and yep it's linked with cancer so pass yeah um, so your general philosophy is the body is meant to heal itself. Yeah. Give it what it needs. Try to stay away from these preservatives and toxins and abnormal influences, man-made influences. Is that how you kind yeah. of think about yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, try, try to, uh, eat and, and live as clean as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, kind of what I, I tell my own patients and then, uh, you know, other people that kind of ask me along the way, because you can really get bogged down in, um, you know, whenever you're trying to make that switch, uh, to more healthy, there, there's so many things to do. Mm-hmm. And so people you know, like they get bogged down and there's so many things that I need to do. And I say, take one step, mm-hmm. switch one thing out, make one change. And then after you've done that, then do the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it, you'd be amazed at, at at what changing one thing mm-hmm. can do um, for the body. Yes, I totally agree with that approach. Um, and I think that um, one place that someone could start is... <clears throat> when it comes to healing that letting the body heal itself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is just start to be a little slower on the Tylenol, the Mucinex, the Tum Tums, the, yes, uh, it's like it, it is, it's actually pretty remarkable how I guess mainstream, most people, a lot of people, I don't know, like any little thing that they're feeling We're just treating symptom, 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 symptom. It's like this whole system is set up to treat symptoms. Yes. Well, we're not actually getting to the cause. Exactly. So, and if you, I mean, 
so starting to slow down on treating symptoms and then focusing on putting plenty of water, yes, real food into this machine. Movement. And movement. Yeah. Yes, that is a great place to start. Great place to start. I, I think um, coming from the background that I came from, I mean, I said that we had more traditional or like more Western-style medicine. It That is true. That is true. But also just growing up as a Mennonite, um, I mean, we had cars and electricities and houses and yeah. you know, look like this, but um, but still, it was closer to like the ancient ways of life, mm. and I think that was that was helpful. Yeah. So I think it's like in in when you get out kind of into the to the real world a little bit, and then I also think particularly mm-hmm. maybe in cities, I don't know if that's true or not, but um, where you just do bump into this whole thing of treating the symptom. Yeah, that is. That is now, it seems to me, like that's what healthcare is all about. You just treat the symptoms. Like there, like there was um, a friend who had a kid with an allergy to something, and the doctor prescribed anti-allergy medicine, and it was food-related. Mm. So like this poor kid was about to be on anti-allergy medicine when the problem was he had to stop drinking milk. Like, I'm not even educated, and I know that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, how how did we even get here? Right. And uh, I, I think, too, whenever we start talking about food allergies and things like that, um, looking for the why in that as well. Not, not simply stopping that food, uh, which at, at the, for the time being may be a, a good thing. So... Uh, like people with uh, gluten intolerance. What, why did their body suddenly become intolerant to, to gluten when that has been something that has been um, a, a food base for generations, right? Uh, so why? Why isn't that body processing that? Or what is it in that particular type of gluten whether it's bread or pasta or or whatever the source is um is it possible that that uh, wheat or grain was treated with something that the body doesn't like it's not necessarily the gluten that the body doesn't like it's yes. what that was treated with that the, the pesticides body, that were sprayed all over the wheat yeah. that made the gluten yeah yeah uh, because it's amazing to me uh, the amount of people that say they have a gluten intolerance, but if they have make homemade bread with organic flour, how it does not affect them the yes. way the way store brought or store bought bread would. Yeah, and Mariana makes sourdough bread, and she has many now customers that can eat her sourdough bread that are gluten intolerant and yeah. doesn't bother them at all. I was thinking though, that was more from the sourdough piece, but it could also be from the organic piece. Cause she does or- use organic flour. Mm-hmm. Cause you're saying if someone is gluten intolerant and they make their own bread, but it's just regular bread, it's not even sourdough. Right. But they use organic wheat yeah. or um, flour. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, the, yeah. that's what my, my wife, uh, was doing so whenever I first met her, she she said, you know, I'm gluten intolerant. I can't have 
bread. And so she had been off bread for a little bit. And I think we were in, in England and, um, and she had some bread over there and she was like, wow, this, this isn't affecting me. Mm. And so, and then, you know, a little bit later we, we come back to the, the States and she had some bread again and started affecting her. And so she's like, well, maybe, maybe my body just needs to be off of this for a little bit again. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then as we were kind of becoming more holistic and uh, a little more crunchy, um, she started making her own bread and finding like organic flour to make it with. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we, we've made sourdough as well, but yeah, just, you know, regular bread and just making sure that, that we know kind of the source mm-hmm. uh, in making that. And she absolutely has no problem with that. Interesting. So in that particular case, it would be accurate to say that particular person is less gluten intolerant and more pesticide intolerant, yeah. correct? But what's fascinating about that is I've never once heard that term, pesticide intolerant. It, I know I am. Yeah. I know I, I do not process toxins as good as most people. Mm-hmm. Um, I have that MTH Chef R thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't naturally process toxins as, as good as the average person maybe or, 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 or some people. Um, but so all that just means is I need to take extra care to put less toxins into my body yeah, and then do things to move the toxin through like, like exercise daily or, mm-hmm. um, in our case, we were able to get a, a sauna in the last year and I yeah. think that helps too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big proponent of, of saunas, of uh, infrared sauna. Oh really? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so Okay, is there anything else you want to say about the journey into this then? Because it doesn't sound like this was yeah. always your philosophy. No, no. I mean, it, like I said, w- grew up going to doctors. Uh, I, I had chronic ton- tonsillitis, um, which probably now, uh, as I'm looking back, I'm like, was that strep? What? Mm. But it, it was always tonsillitis, and here, here's your uh, penicillin uh, pills uh, all the time growing up. And, um, so yeah, it wasn't until, um, like I said, while we're in, Eng- in England, I think is when my mind first kind of got opened up to, oh, there's some kind of some other ways of going about this. Um, but then, um, while we were in Colorado, um, my wife was pregnant with our second and, uh, I came home from work one day and, um, she was on the on the couch. Um, we have had an almost two year old toddler running around the house, and she was basically like, "I can't walk." Every time I, I try to get up and walk, it feels like my hip's gonna pop out of socket. My low back is is killing me. She she was pretty hev- heavily pregnant at this time, and um, I'm like, "All right, let me let me see what what we can do." And so, uh, basically, had to carry her to bed that night and I called up my brother uh, who lived in the, in the same area and uh, said, this is going on. Do you know anybody that could help her out? And he said, well, I know a chiropractor, maybe he could help out. And so he gave me his number, called him up. He was kind enough to open his practice up to us uh, early on a Saturday morning. Um, She barely walked into that um, appointment after he worked on her, uh, adjusted her, um, she was able to walk out and, um, 
and then through chiropractic treatment throughout the rest of the pregnancy, she was she was able to to do really well. Mm. And so, uh, it was, it was this a, the first time that she or you had been to the chiropractor. Yes, yeah, that was our our first introduction to chiropractic. Really? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, like I said, very much uh, Western medicine mindset. I went to the doctor. You, you got a pill for everything. Yeah. For, How for, long for ago all your, was that? Uh, so that would have been uh, 2002. Oh, okay. Yep. Or uh, 2000, sorry, uh, 2003. Okay. Uh, that we were in, uh, in Colorado. And uh, it was around that time that I was trying to figure out, am I staying in the Air Force or am I getting out? Um, and so after kind of watching him do what, what he did, uh, uh, I, I knew that I wanted to do something in, in healthcare. Um, I've always been intrigued by how, how the body works. Oh, really? Um, I, before I went into the Air Force, I was an athletic training and sports medicine major. Uh, oh, cool. I, I thought, uh, I thought that's where I would end up. Hmm. Uh, so I went into the Air Force thinking, okay, I'll get some GI Bill and uh, be able to help me pay off the rest of, of my college for athletic training. Um, but then after kind of uh, being around uh, this chiropractor and, and seeing what he did both chiropractic wise, but then um, figured out he also did applied kinesiology. And so seeing how he helped others through that process as well, I'm like, that's how I want to help people. And so uh, ultimately made the decision to, to get out of the Air Force, um, found a, a chiropractic school uh, in St. Louis um, and you know, began began my chiropractic journey there. Uh, and, and like I said, uh, it, especially in regards to like parasites, um, you know, we might have brushed over the subject of, of parasites in, in like a biology class, um, but it wasn't really a, a thing like, oh, you need to be on the watch out uh, for things like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really wasn't until I got out of chiropractic school, uh, one of my first continuing education seminars uh, I went there, uh, you know, just trying to get, get my hours in, learn a bit more. And, uh, somebody got up and had like a whole session on parasites and I was like, wow, what, mm. what is this? Mm-hmm. And so, um, that really opened up my eyes, uh, to, uh, the presence of, of parasites. And then just, uh, uh, I would say the majority of, of what I have learned uh, it has been through uh, continuing education these past uh, 14 years of practice. Um, so, When did you guys move to Nashville? Uh, we moved here about five and a half years ago. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. That recent? Yeah. Where were you before this? So before that, we were down in Florida. Uh, so uh, after I graduated... Sorry to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after I moved... Uh, after I graduated from uh, chiropractic school, uh, we ended up staying around the St. Louis area, but uh, I, I knew I never, I, I didn't want to practice full time in like St. Louis because it seemed like everybody graduated uh, from school there and ended up staying there. So it was a very saturated market. And so moving down to Florida, I thought that would be kind of the, the place, you know, where I was going to set up shop. That's where we were going to be for a while. Um, uh, but God, I had other plans for me that it, it never felt like the right place. Oh yeah. Right fit. Uh, I very much enjoyed the ocean. 
Love, loved being there. Um, but whenever we had the, the chance to, uh, to move to Nashville, uh, it, it, it felt like the right place, right fit. Um, I was born in Murfreesboro, grew up in, oh, okay. grew up in Northeast Arkansas, but, uh, we were my whole time growing up. We always came back to middle Tennessee. And so for me, this felt like coming home. Okay. Yeah. Did you have family here or did not have any family here whenever okay. we moved here? Um, but now like, uh, my mother-in-law lives with us and then, uh, my brother and his family, uh, recently moved to Franklin. Uh, so we, we have family here now. Cool. Cool. <laughs> and you have a couple of kids, right? We have four kids all together. Four kids. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But they're on the older, they're a little, they're on, they're on the older side, uh, have, uh, Two boys, two girls. It goes boy, girl, boy, girl. And they're oh, cool. uh, 20, 18, 16, and 11. Oh, man. Good so, for you. Congratulations. Yeah. So so we've gotten uh, two of them through kind of the homeschool uh, process. Okay. We've homeschooled all four of them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one's in college, and one decided she wanted to go the cosmetology route. So um, I, kind of following in, in mom and dad's footsteps, she uh, she said, I, I, I want to do more holistic care. Care so she's really been out there searching for uh, more holistic products, um, things that that won't add to the toxic load mm-hmm. uh, burden for the body, and so she's out there doing her thing now. Very cool. Do you um, was the homeschooling thing a good experience? Now, and mostly in hindsight, would you yeah think that was good? Yep, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it, it, as far as like our our goals for uh, our kids. Um, and, and the thing that I think I've been most impressed with homeschooling is um, seeing how each kid learns and how within the homeschool process uh, we're better able to give them the chance to learn the way that they learn mm-hmm. um, instead of it being a one-size-fits-all. Mm-hmm. Um, we can cater it for each one. Mm-hmm. Okay, applied... Um kinesiology is that how you say that then yes okay and actually just set that on this side here that oh, way it's not sorry in the video because the camera's coming this way apologize no you're good um i think we set your water on that side too just sit over there um okay applied kinesiology let's dig into that yeah what are we talking about here let's get it right into the witchcraft <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 you're like those thoughts there were are, were th- so many thoughts that i had uh, along the way as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Because, uh, like I said, I, I grew up very, very conservative. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was a preacher. Uh, I'm, I'm a double PK preacher son and a principal son. Uh, Whoa! So, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So uh, it, um, but the m- more I learned about the the human body, the uh, the more it made sense to me. So. Uh, whenever I talk about muscle testing, uh, I, I kind of like to talk about it like this. Uh, I view the body as kind of like a big electrical circuit, right? So not only do we have that nervous system um, so that carries messages from brain to body, body back to brain, uh, so we have all those neurons firing at all times. But as well, whenever you look at the body as a whole and break it down to the most simple components, so every muscle tissue and organ of the body is made up of a a group of cells, right? All different types of cells. But whenever you break cells down to their most simple components, 
They're made up of atoms. Mm-hmm. And atoms are like units of energy. So really, whenever I look at the body, it's like this big electrical circuit that has this electrical energy that is flowing throughout it, as well as we all have this kind of like an electric field around each one of us. And so that's that's really what we're kind of dealing with within the field of applied kinesiology is is uh, I, I kind of liken us to um, almost like human electronics technicians. Mm. Um, we're trying to figure out what things are could be going on within the body that is keeping your electric uh, circuit from uh, functioning as optimally as it needs to. Um, so whether that is the presence of a, another organism within the body um, that, again, has its own uh, kind of electrical presence itself or uh, a toxin within the body that is hindering uh, our body. Uh so within, uh, so whenever I talk about uh, muscle testing, I, as I introduce um, a, a toxin or a, or a parasite, so w- what I use, uh, I have a test kit that has uh, vials uh, that contain samples within an ionic solution. Uh, so that ionic solution, as I introduce it to the body, uh, there would be a reaction. It's kind of, it's an electrical reaction though. Uh, the particular uh, type of testing that I utilize is something called resonating, uh, which is kind of a, a subset uh, w- within um, muscle testing. Um, I don't, have you ever had muscle testing done yourself? I haven't. Jamie actually suggested that I go see you. Okay. Like um, a year ago-ish, and I don't know why I didn't, to be honest. Um I can understand. I can understand hesitancy, though. Around yeah, but but actually, I I like to try new things. It wasn't hesitancy. I I think it was one of those situations where whatever I was experiencing, then I saw Jamie, and then it wasn't so much, and then some time's gone by, and now I kind of forgot who was that guy, and the next yeah. thing you know, it's six months, and I I just like well, it's, I just moved on. Yeah. But I, I would I would love to to, to go experience it sometime. Uh, so I've never I've never had it. So so within muscle testing, kind of. Uh, a, a lot of the, um, I would say what most people experience with muscle testing is, is utilizing like the arm. So uh, having somebody's arm kind of straight out in front of them, you press down on the arm, have them resist you. Then you introduce some sort of uh, toxin or whatever uh, and see, does that change the muscle testing? Uh, with resonating, uh, w- what I have found really uh, helpful within that is because from the amount of vials and things that, that I'm testing, uh, what I was finding is I'm tiring out, uh, the arm, tiring out that shoulder muscle, uh, pretty quick. Um, as well as I I work a lot with, with kids and, uh, kids don't necessarily like to be messed with. Uh, Mm. and and then, uh, and then sometimes, uh, have some special needs kids that, um, that have like sensory issues. And so they don't like to be touched. And so this particular uh, technique of uh, resonating uh, allows me to do the testing without having to physically touch uh, the body. So I'm just introducing the vial to the body's electric field. So just having to get it close enough. And um, as I'm testing, 
Uh, I'm just using a simple instrument that, that allows my finger to, to glide along it. Uh, and as I introduce each one of the vials to the body, I continue testing and my finger should continue to, um, to glide smoothly throughout the whole process unless there's a presence of one of these objects within the body. And then what I find uh, is there's resistance on my end. It's like suddenly it will go from smooth to sticky. Hmm. And um, sometimes you can even hear like an, an audible like squeak start coming out. And uh, that lets me know I need to slow down and figure out, oh, okay, there's something going on here. Let's see where it is showing up within the body. And then let's also figure out, okay, what is the, the presence or how heavy um, yeah, how, how heavy is the, the presence of this particular item uh, within the body? How do you find that out, how heavy the presence is? So, so to do that, uh, you know, I'm starting out close to the body, and I just continue kind of pulling it away from the body until it becomes smooth again. Mm. The stronger the presence in the body, the further away you can get from the body before that um, becomes smooth again. That thing gets smooth again? Kind of, kind of lets sure. me know how heavy the the burden is of, of this particular item within the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, these vials that you're talking about are they little glass vials? What yes. are these? What do they look? Yeah, like? yeah. So they're like little glass vials. Um, and you take the lid off? No, no. They 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 stay within the whole time. So the the um, what are we calling it? That's getting communicated or transferred out of the glass file. Energy, yeah, chemicals. So, so we, we call it the energetic presence okay, of, so, of this particular item. So the energetic presence of that's inside these glass vials transfers through the glass. Right. So, so, so you're not taking the lid off of no, that. You're no. not. You're not putting a little bit on their skin. No. No. Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Goes through the glass vial. Yeah. Hmm. And, and so, it, and, and like I said, uh, it, it is within a uh, ionic solution. Uh, so it gives it the better chance of it as we introduce it to our own electric field uh, of there being uh, some sort of reaction there if it, if it is present within the body. Okay, the ionic solution in the glass vial helps am- amplify mm-hmm. that. And what is an ionic solution? Uh, so that is, uh, a, it's a great question. That, that is a solution. Um, oh, I have to look up the, like, uh, the, the term, but, uh, basically, 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 basically there's like a, a charge. Um, <clears throat> did I use my, we can just Google it and see. Yeah. But it's a liquid. Yes. It's a liquid. Yeah. And <clears throat> what is um, what is the, the, th- the thing? It sounds like the ionic solution is not the thing that gives the energy. There's something else in there. What is the, the something else in there? So uh, it is, uh, I have a few different vials of different types of parasites. Mm. Um, then uh, mold fungal toxins, uh, candida. Uh, different types of bacteria or virus hmm. um, as, as well as uh, uh, like heavy metals, uh, lead, lead, mercury, uh, aluminum, things like that. 
uh, environmental toxins, herbicides, pesticides, glyphosate, um, ammonia. Um, oh, I see what you're doing. So you have, okay, in the case of a parasite, it's clearly a dead parasite. At this point, it's a dead parasite? Yes, yes. Is it actually a parasite, or is it like a toxin from a parasite? It It is a sample of the parasite. Okay, which has long been dead, but it's still emitting enough of a signal that it, it can pick, it can interact with a signal coming out of the body if there is one there? Mm-hmm. Man, that's, wow. Like, it's it's easy to or easier and kind of easy to see how um, like a pesticide, for example, would communicate out of that vial. But a parasite, that seems harder. You know what I mean? It seems. Which, you know, that that's more, uh, yeah, like a living organism type thing. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, yeah, it's, it's that sample uh, that kind of reacts with. Hmm. The, the thing that is inside of you. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of, uh, one of the first things that came up here as far as like uh, ions, uh, ionic compounds uh, within an aqueous solution or dissolved in water. Um, so ions are, are free to move from place to place. So again, like electricity. So we're thinking of like positive, negative charges here. Um, and so, um, in, in this definition, it talks about ionic com- compounds cannot conduct electricity when solid, um, as their ions are held in fixed positions, but in that aqueous solution, they can move. Hmm. Um, so whenever I am testing, uh, I, I kind of liken myself to a, um, almost like a, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with a, a piece of equipment called an ohmmeter. Uh, so while I was in the Air Force, I was an electronics technician. And one of the pieces of equipment that we had was an ohmmeter, which helped us to kind of measure the resistance within a circuit. Um, so uh, as I'm doing this resonating, I'm, I'm in effect acting as a human ohmmeter. Uh, it's passing from a solution as I'm holding it towards the body conducting through and in my other hand is where I'm holding uh, Mm -hmm. the instrument. Is it conducting? All right. Let's say you're holding the vial in your right hand Mm -hmm. um, and then the instrument in your left hand and then. So the, the body. Yeah. Is the, is it communicating from your left hand up your left arm across your shoulders and down your right arm into the vial or is it communicating from the person through the air to the vial through the air to your instrument? Yes, through the air, through from from the person, uh, vial. Yep, to me. Okay, but but when it gets to you, is it going through your body over to the instrument, or is it communicating to the instrument through the air over here to your left hand? Uh, through my body. Yeah. So I, okay. I'm 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 acting kind of like a electrical conduit. So you need to physically hold the vial. Mm-hmm. And you need to physically hold the instrument. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So if you set the vial on a table and then just 
and just have you know, my work instrument. The instrument over here that wouldn't really work. It, it no, it's just it'll just sit here and, and glide okay. glide smoothly throughout the whole process. Well, um, you know, I I can okay, all right, I can begin to see the the case for the science behind it. Yeah, um, I mean, it does seem, and I want to hear way more, but it does seem like. This is the type of thing where at least the opportunity is present for someone to get weird, and now they have no you're, you know, now they're making judgment calls. Yeah. They're sloppy. Yeah. They're not reading the signals right. Right, like this to me seems very delicate. Yeah, I can see. I can begin to at least see the the science here, but yeah. it also seems like it's something you could abuse very quickly and readily. Right. Uh, I think for me, uh, in in finding this particular uh, technique. Um, it really took a lot of the burden off of me uh, because a lot of the times uh, in muscle testing, if, if I'm using someone else's arm and I'm, I'm pressing down on their, their muscle, having them resist me, me, me being the contemplator that I am, I, I'm always thinking about, am I providing the same amount of pressure every single time? Right. Did I just feel what I thought I felt? Uh, was that them or was that me? Mm-hmm. And so I'm in a, in my head a lot because I, I don't want to introduce any sort of bias in any test that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so with this, it is taking that away for me uh, in that um, it's either smooth or it's not smooth. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not applying any extra pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's either there or it's not there. And so that, that for me has helped me know I'm not introducing any sort of bias, uh, into the testing process. Yes. It seems like a case could be made that the vial and the, and the instrument method over the pushing down the arm method could be a little more superior, right? Is that for me? It is for you. It is. Okay. Would some people argue against that? I would say some people are, are extremely confident in their muscle testing skills mm-hmm. um, and would say I, I introduce no bias in my mm-hmm. in that. And, you know, if they're able to do that, then I, I say more power to them. And what they're doing is, um, can you just briefly talk through then what happens when you're pushing down the arm? Are you holding the vial close to their arm and pushing down on it? So in, in that case, we would... Yeah. What's this, Kobe? Perfect. Yeah. So that oh, is... Oh, this is pushing down the arm? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So she's pushing down the arm to to figure out... So, yeah, you can place... Okay, so there's place the vial. The, the on, vial is on the body. On the body, yep. And she's pushing the arm and presumably getting different resistances... Yeah. Based on what's in the vial and what might be in the body. Yes. Which, you know, she would probably argue for, to me, that seems a little less scientific or maybe a little less precise. It, it, again, I think it, it depends on the practice, practitioner and their comfort level. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, again, like the... There, there is a, a technique that I, I do utilize within my practice where I do do use the arm um, because for this particular uh, thing, I, I believe that physical touch is is key. Um, 
and that that technique uh, is a neuroemotional technique uh, that I utilize um, for helping to identify if there's an emotional stressor to a physical issue that is going on within the body. Um, but that uh, that I'm not really using any sort of like vial or anything like that. Okay, we're, we're specifically like asking uh, the body questions mm-hmm. as, as we're testing and seeing uh, how how the body reacts uh, to the to the question, basically. So can we hear more about that? An emotional response is, you said something going on in the body? Yeah. What is that? Yeah, so um, throughout life, as we're, as we're growing up, uh, we're exposed to, to different types of uh, emotional stressors, um, whether that's fear, anger, grief, um, non-emotive, um, um, yeah, there, there's a, there's a whole, whole list of like different emotions that we can be exposed to, uh, throughout life. Um, and if we don't know how to process those, um, we can sometimes kind of stuff those down inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might've heard, heard somebody saying, I just kind of stuff all my feelings. Uh, it, it's actually kind of a true thing. Um, the body stores and remembers and, um, what I found was, uh, and whenever I found uh, neuroemotional technique was, uh, I was running into, uh, almost like running into a wall with my, my patients. Like I could get them to like a, to a certain point of, of healing. Um, but it couldn't seem to get them past that point. Hmm. And so I, I heard about, um, this technique, uh, called neuro, uh, neuroemotional technique. And, uh, it was, it was found out that it was all about finding out if there is a, an emotional stressor to a physical issue that is going on in the body. And then, uh, so through muscle testing, we figure out, uh, we work to find out, is there an emotional stressor to this physical issue or is it just purely a physical issue? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do run into that. Um, but if there is a, an emotional stressor, then we work to find out, okay, what is that emotional stressor? Um, and then once we have identified uh, the emotion, then we work to find out, okay, at what age did we first take this on? Because what we're trying to get to is the root. Um, and so at what age did we first take this on? And, um, and then through, again, through muscle testing, we, I can get it down usually to like an age range. And whenever I get it to that age range, uh, most of the time people will like, I see like almost a shift in their eyes and they're like, oh, well, this happened whenever I was this age. Hmm. And so then through kind of doing uh, some uh, mind body work. So it's uh, holding on to that picture or that feeling uh, around that certain uh, event in life taking in a deep breath in and out uh, along with uh, do some taps along the spine. So those spinal areas where I'm kind of doing uh, those taps correlate with both the emotion and, and sometimes the organ systems that can be affected by that. Mm. Um, And then um, what most people kind of relate, what they feel is uh, there's almost like a dissipation that that picture or that feeling kind of gets cloudy. It's not as clear anymore. Hmm. And so, 
uh, from there, we'll go back and retest. Okay. Uh, did the work that we did, we're trying to do, was that effective? Or are there other emotions that are tied into this same picture and feeling? And sometimes there are um, multiple emotions that are surrounding this event. Um, so does the vial represent a specific emotion? The, so in this case, we're not using vials. Okay. Yeah. So in this case, we're, we're uh, purely using word. Um, uh so that, that's kind of more for the, the uh, what we call like a body entry point. And then, and then there's also what they call like a mind entry point where it's uh, taking a statement uh, that we want to be true. It may not necessarily be true, but we want for that to be true, uh, which can be a statement as simple as I'm okay or I feel safe. And you would be amazed at how many people, their body does not agree with that. Whoa. Huh. So you can. Okay. In the case of. You're going to have someone make the statement. I'm okay. Mm -hmm. What are you doing when they're making that statement? So as they're saying, I'm okay. I'm, a, I'm applying a, a kind of a steady pressure to their arm. Hmm. And they'll say, I'm okay. And if their body doesn't agree with it, no matter how much they want to resist me, they can't resist me. Their arm will just or release but they might to use an extreme example that's a little absurd they might um i, I was no we can use a different example we, but if they would say i'm unsafe they might be able to resist you um you know what i mean like if they say like if they, they say, say if they were say okay. i i i am unsafe yeah no, no, I, I, you were just saying, okay, let's say so, that you're doing it to me and I say I'm okay, but my arm goes down. But if I say something that is true to me, actually that I b actually inwardly, thoroughly believe, I'm able to resist you Yeah, in it, a way that I'm not able to when I say I'm okay. Like if, if you say I'm okay, you know, you could very well stay strong with that. Mm -hmm. But I'm okay with an example. Uh, yeah, I'm know. okay with a past relationship or I'm okay yeah. with, they just. It could change things. Because uh, huh. the, the body, uh, it, it's hard to explain why the body keeps score, mm -hmm. but the body keeps score. Mm -hmm. um, I, I recently uh, went through um, the loss of, of my mom, uh, November of, uh, of 21. Uh, so uh, we just had, had her one year anniversary of her passing. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I found even with, within myself, uh, you know, I thought I was dealing with things pretty well, uh, but was uh, going through uh, kind of like a, a massage uh, therapy where they were kind of doing like some organ release type things on me and like got over my liver and like suddenly I had like this flood of emotion just hit me like during the middle of the massage teared up and like tears started flowing and I'm like, what is going on here? Hmm. And they're like, Oh, well sometimes, you know, grief or whatever, or whatever emotion could be stored in an organ. And we just released some of that for you. Hmm. Um, so were uh, they trying to help you in this particular way? Or are you just getting a random massage? Yeah. Yeah. Was just, just getting, getting such was just getting a random, like, Oh uh, wow. Well, that's so, fascinating. Yeah.
Yeah, it, it wasn't for the purpose of trying to, to release it, yeah, any I emotions, but mm-hmm. I figured out that that was one place at least that mm-hmm. I was, was storing some emotion. So what gets you to this point with someone? Do they come in saying, I feel like I'm carrying some emotional trauma or baggage that I can't let go of, and can you use your methods to help me with this? Or are you helping someone with what they thought was parasites, and next thing you know you're working on something like this? Both. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I have some people that, that come into me and they, they have specific things that they want to work on. Like they, they know that they have experienced trauma in, in certain areas and are just having a hard time uh, figuring out how to, to get that to release. Um, and then I have other people who, uh, who come in with, with a physical issue, um, whether that's like a chronic shoulder, um, neck pain, headaches, things like that. And so in, in those cases, we would, would contact those specific areas in the body, test that out, and then mm-hmm. uh, we add in what's called an emotional point, which is simply taking taking the palm of the hand, it goes right across the forehead. And uh, in uh, whenever you add in that emotional point, then you're, you're testing again to see, is there an emotional component to this physical issue that is going on? And if it changes the, the muscle testing, then it indicates to us that there may be an emotional stressor to this physical issue. Whoa. So you could be doing your test on someone for pesticides mm-hmm. and uh, maybe you're, that may or may not be the best example. Yeah. You're giving someone just a, L- a, a let's say a, it's a, gut. Let's say it's gut dysfunction, okay. gut dysfunction. Yeah. And, you can do your vial and your instrument and that test comes out a certain way. And then you say, all right, now we're going to do that again, but hold your right palm over your forehead and I'm going to do this again. And you can sometimes get a different response. And if you do get a different response, that means there's an emotional connection. Uh, so not necessarily in the, in the realm of like, uh, you know, using those vials to, to test. Uh, those okay. are, those are kind of like two separate types of, of, of work, okay. yep. work that I do. Uh, so w- one is identifying or, or trying to help, identify the energetic presence of whatever the particular item may be within the body. And, uh, with, within, uh, NET, uh, neuroemotional technique, uh, it's helping to identify, um, is there an emotional stressor to the physical issue that is going on within the body? So, Mm -hmm. so this would be, you know, let's say we, we've done our cleanses, but still don't feel like we're progressing as much as we'd like to, um, then we could, um, so in that case, let's say it's gut dysfunction would, would contact, uh, over the, the intestines test. Have you add in that emotional component test? If the muscle testing changes, that lets us know there may be an emotional stressor to that. And then we, yeah, we kind of go from there. Okay. And when you're saying an emotional stressor to a physical issue, um, that is sounds to me like you had this physical issue and then the emotional stress is coming because of it, but isn't it actually no, the opposite? No. So yeah, it, it's, it's that, that emotional stressor has been there causing the physical issue, right? Exactly. Okay. And I think and, and so, and so once we get to the root of that emotional stressor, 
and, and help identify that and get that to release, then what we find is that there are, um, that there's like a release within the body. It can sometimes unlock the physical issue or resolve it or yeah. it dissipates yeah. or whatever. And isn't, don't they talk about this in that book? Uh, the body keeps a score. Uh, I believe they do. Yeah. Which um, was not written super recently, but I think it got popular in the last couple of years. Yeah. At least I saw somewhere that, yeah, or heard someone say that's you know I know this is very popular right now or whatever, and then went on to say his thing. I read a good chunk of that l- this past summer, summer of twenty two. I think it wasn't the easiest book to read. Yeah, um, but it was fascinating. I, and they do talk. I mean, that's the body keeps the score. They're literally talking about. That's kind of the premise of the book. Yeah. Like some of the stuff you can just keep in your body. Yeah. Uh, I've had people that have come in with, with migraines. And after figuring out that there's an emotional component, they, they come back and they're like, I haven't had a migraine in weeks. Like I used to get them every day. And now it's it's been since the last time that I came in. And so um, there's definitely something to it. Do they fall back into migraines then after a few weeks or? Uh, if there's like more work to do. Okay. Because uh, like I said, there there can be, uh, you know, once we find a picture, uh, we've identified the emotion, we've identified what age they first took it on. We've identified kind of the surrounding event. Um, there can be other emotions that are tied into that as well. So while we've done some good work in identifying kind of the major uh, emotion uh, to that um, until we've kind of taken care of everything that is surrounding that, um, their body can kind of go back into into that that state again. It can sort of relapse into that state you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this was, uh, this is a few years ago. I was... Um, at the uh, seeing a counselor in a session and he was like, now where are you feeling this in your body? Mm. And I was like, I just felt like someone was choking me. Like I just felt like I couldn't, like you barely breathe. My neck was tight, you know, right in the front, right in here. Mm -hmm. And he was like, that's, that's shame. Mm. You feel shame. Yeah. A a lot of, um, yeah. Uh, People that feel like they have no voice or, or can't speak about things. Um, Is that tied in with shame? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. What are there particular organs or parts of the body that are most commonly associated with different emotional events or traumas or issues Mm. like like shame, for example, or yeah. uh, Like grief. Okay. Yeah. uh, Is is a lot of times like it's more often than not lungs. Um, uh, So, Often if, if people say I've had like this chronic like respiratory thing going on, um, what I find is like unresolved grief within that. Uh, a, a lot of the times gut is, um, gut and intestines is, is associated with anger. Really? Holding on to anger, unresolved anger. Um, yeah, I, I wish I had brought my, my list of, of, of all the organs, but yeah, I, I have like a breakdown um, hmm. uh, within my office. I have, have a poster that that kind of shows that um, uh, breakdown of like 
where these emotions can kind of show up hmm. uh, within the body. So my gut's totally screwed. I mean, we, this was when we still lived in New York. We may or may not have had a kid at the time. I mean, this was probably 12 years ago, 10 years ago, at least 10 years ago, probably even more. We married for 16. So somewhere between 16 years ago and 10 years ago, we were on a walk on a Sunday afternoon. It was it was a season of um, life where I was Sunday afternoons and as the evening came on, I just felt this dread. I was just hating whatever was going on on Monday mornings at that yeah. time or the week or whatever. Something about Sunday nights. I just hated it, man. It was anyhow. Um, we were on this walk and we had just eaten and I felt sick. And I remember just mentioning I feel sick again. And Mariana's like, what now? And I'm like, yeah, I ate. You feel sick. Everyone feels sick after they eat. She's like, no, not everyone feels sick after they eat. And I'm like, they don't like, I always feel sick after I eat. And so, um, and even now to this day, if I don't eat pretty clean, Mm -hmm. I will just, my gut just feels, I will feel sick again. Yeah. One thing that did help was, um, the meat diet has helped me a couple of times where I'll only eat meat for some period of time. Yeah. Yeah. The longest I did that was uh, from April to July of 2020, and man, it just it it healed my gut. I yeah. don't know how else to say it. It just I, healed my gut. I, I, I have I have seen people you know talk about as far as like going carnivore and like how yeah. how it's changed uh, things like that uh, help change their like A one C. What's that? Uh, so diabetes. So oh, so okay. that's one, one of the markers that they're looking for as I far see. as with, with diabetes. Anyhow, all that to say is I have had longstanding gut issues. So is it possible that I have unresolved anger? It's possible. Uh, is it probable? I, I, I'll, I'll say it's possible. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I, um, yeah, I don't, I don't like to ever really tell anybody that like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is definitely what's going on. Sure. Um, until we can kind of yep. sit down face to face and yep is there other emotions tied in with the gut or is it anger is the big one a- anger is probably the the biggest but there there are some others i see yeah so the emotional thing that is very interesting um this is getting a little off no it's not it's not off topic it's this might not be there might not be anything to this, but sometimes I wonder if our entryway into or progress towards the new heavens and the new earth is going to look maybe a little different than we, or at least different than I had thought at one point. Yeah. Because like what we're talking about is, um, well, I guess, you know what, this may not be new to me. It sounds new. I mean, Maybe they've been doing this for thousands of years. I guess you tell me. But this is, uh, I think to some of us, this is new. And if we can have more healing based on the things that we're discovering with emotions and body, if we can have more physical healing based on emotional healing, Mm -hmm. that's sort of groundbreaking. Because if our bodies are in better state and operate better and are healed better, we're probably going to live a little longer. At least our quality of life is going to be longer for a longer period of time. And if that trend continues, we can just get like more areas of healing. And I mean, God is ultimately behind anything good, right? right. So anything good comes from God. So it's 
it's not like, oh, you know, hold on, God, while we fix ourselves. Anything good comes from God. So right. as some of these breakthroughs happen and we get more advances in some of these things and we can actually heal a gut from emotional healing, mm-hmm. I mean, to me, this sounds like the direction of the new heavens and the new earth, right? I mean, this sounds like yeah. it's like, so I wonder sometimes if our entry point into it might look a little different than than, than, we it, thought. than it did in the past. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. But even if that's not entirely the case, and it just helps us to live a fuller, more capable, um, life full of more joy now because of less, some of these issues, well, then that's a win all of its own. Yeah. So the emotional, so you can test for emotional issues, physical issues that might be born out of emotional trauma. And when you discover them, are you fixing them by f- fixing the um, the physical part, which then heals the the emotional, or are you sending them to like a therapist or something to heal the emotional, which then fixes the physical? Yeah, I mean, if if I'm kind of hitting a, hitting a wall as far as like helping somebody in in processing, uh, you know, that physical issue, yeah, definitely, I, I'm. Uh, sending out uh, to uh, therapists or, or counselors okay. who are who are more equipped um, with you know things of the mind than than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would say for the most part, I, I'm uh, I am working to to uh, once I've identified if there is an emotional stressor. Um, uh, I do my best to, to work um, with them to, to help get that to release. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you, you talked about um, kind of God and, and uh, our creator and he's our healer. Um, you know, I, I very much believe, especially, uh, you know, within these uh, NET sessions, I, I, I may be a, a little bit different than, uh, some practitioners in that, um, you know, if, if I know that you're okay with, with talking about God and, um, kind of faith, I, I say, can we invite God into this process? Mm. And so we'll, we'll often start off a session with, with prayer and just, mm. uh, kind of asking for his guidance and, and, and thanking him for, for the healing and, and then, and then at the end, close that off. Um, uh, my mind keeps keeps going back to the to the scripture that talks about a, a man can like clean out his house mm-hmm. which you know talking about the body uh and you know the spirit uh evil spirit goes away and doesn't find a home and so it comes back and, and brings seven of its friends with it mm-hmm. uh so i very much believe that you know once we've cleaned house um that it's so important to to ask god to to just kind of uh, heal that and, and seal that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, uh, what comes to mind when you say that is it seems to me that we are okay with the spiritual mm-hmm. and we're okay with the physical. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we get it. uncomfortable when yes. the physical and the spiritual yeah. start to overlap. Yeah. And um, I wonder if I don't know enough about world religions to. I'm just curious right now if there's something unique about the Christian faith 
of the overlapping of the spiritual and the physical mm -hmm. that may not exist in other religions, but I don't know that's true. So I yeah. don't want to yeah. take anything away from, from Same. them, but Same. but just the, um, what's, what's interesting about that is um, if that's not just me anyway, cause I definitely, I definitely feel that. And I, I feel like that, that that's, that's a thing. Like everyone's okay with spiritual and they're okay with physical, but when they start to overlap, it, yeah. it can feel weird. Yep. What's interesting about that, though, is like that was the whole thing with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like he was the spiritual who became physical and then was here on earth. And yeah. like that was the ultimate meshing or marrying or overlapping or commingling of like the the physical and the spiritual together. Um, So... Yeah, I think I love that because um, that is sort of what we're. I mean, there's. It almost feels like there's a spiritual component to the emotional baggage. Yes. You know, like how else would you really? I, if it's not yeah. spiritual, what is it? Yeah. You know, and and, and again, that's that's. I mean, I I, I kind of uh, ask for his guidance like each day whenever I'm going into into office. Um, mm. Um, so trying to feel out when somebody is in the room, like, are they going to be okay? Um, if we, if we do bring in the spiritual with the physical, mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, I, I would say whenever people are more, um, open to that, uh, it, it almost feels like there is better breakthrough. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, Anything else you want to touch on on the emotional piece in particular? Uh, no. I okay. I think we covered that pretty okay. pretty well. Yep. So um, back to the, when you're doing this, the vial testing. Yes. How many different vials do you have in your office? Goodness. Uh, so it, I kind of have a kit. Um, I have somewhere in the range of like 20 to 30 kids. Okay. okay. Does it looks, look something like that? It looks something like that. Um, well, that's a lot more than 20 yeah, or 30 that, there. Uh, that, uh, I do not have that many. That that may be a, uh, uh, may have some like allergen type okay. things within it as well. Um, so you have 20 or 30 vials. Yeah. And you're holding them in your bare hand. And then the instrument. Tell us more about that. What is that? It, it's it's just a simple instrument. It, it, basically, any instrument that that would allow my my finger to be or my thumb to be able to glide smoothly over it. So, uh, in in my case, I, I use it's just <laughs> it's a simple big pen. Uh, hmm. So b because it's smooth. There's oh, you're not talking about an instrument that these uh, people buy from some supplier. Yeah, and and there are some of those out there. So there there is. Uh, so one of my mentors w within muscle testing, he he does use a box. Uh, it's called a resonator, and so it's this box um, that he wears on a belt, and it has like a uh, has a disc on it, and he. Uh, adds like a little water to his, to his mm -hmm. fingertips so that it'll glide smoothly around that, mm -hmm. uh, metal disc. And so then as he's testing, he, he's continuing to run his fingers along the disc mm -hmm. and we, we call it a squeaker box because if it is present within the body, what ends up happening is like 
this loud squeak mm-hmm. ends up coming out of the box. And excuse me, he said, uh, basically, you can use this box. You know, it's, it's a great, like, auditory tool. He said, but you don't have to have it. Mm-hmm. You just need something that allows your your finger to glide smoothly. So uh, usually I, I make sure that, like, uh, I just use a little of my own oil mm-hmm. uh, for my skin and, um, and that simple instrument. But, like, uh, as I mentioned before, too, like, sometimes you can actually hear a squeak. On the big pen? On the big pen. Huh. People are like, what, what is that noise? I'm like, that's, that's the... So you're just um, you're just rubbing a pen. Yeah. So so it's um, kind of so it would it would have a l- little more room on on some items, but it would look something like that. Okay. And so all this is is literally it's an instrument. It's an object. Yes. The change comes in your physiology. Yes. Yep. Which is changing because you're holding the vial and it's interacting with the energy emitting out of the person. Yes. Jeepers, man. (laughs) 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 Um, Who was your mentor that you just mentioned? Um, So the first was, um, well, Dr. Martin in Colorado, um, unfortunately, passed away while, while I was in, still in chiropractic school. Um, then, um, doctor, uh, there's a couple of, of doctors. Dr. Hall, uh, is, is one of the, um, uh, cell core practitioners, um, okay. that, that I've learned under as well. Okay. Is there a place where you, the folks that are doing this can share, best practices and new learnings and that type of things or forum or yeah. So, uh, there are are conferences that, that we go to, um, I've I've been to a a few different, uh, types of conferences too. Just, uh, I I like learning new things and and seeing, seeing if there are, um, kind of better ways to, to practice, which, uh, you know, being introduced to, to the resonating was, was through one of those things. Uh, so Cellcore does, uh, uh, some conferences and things like that. And, and they'll have workshops, um, uh, for, for muscle testing, uh, for, for helping people get more confident in their muscle testing mm-hmm. as well, or, or using, uh, the resonance testing. Um, there's a, another technique called conflict, uh, contact reflex analysis. Um, it, it's just, uh, it's another kind of method w- within, uh, muscle testing, Okay. Uh, so there, there are a few different ones out, out there. So there are, uh, there, there's lots of like continuing education ways that you can, uh, continue learning, uh, continue learning, um, maybe better techniques Mm -hmm. for, for you. Mm -hmm. Um, like I said, for for me, finding this resonance testing, uh, really helped me in, um, in my confidence and knowing that I wasn't introducing any sort of bias uh, and, and help my confidence in this in muscle testing itself, mm-hmm. um, you know, because uh, as a, as a skeptic, like uh, a lot of times with with muscle testing, uh, I would think, you know, was that me? Mm-hmm. So. Okay, so if someone has what's a what's the most common toxin 
that you find in a body? Ooh, um, good one. Uh, I would say I find parasites a lot in all different types of parasites. Um, but, uh, candida seems to be a kind of a big one, uh, uh, can be that bacterial, uh, imbalance within the, the gut microbiome. Uh, candida is often associated with yeast, mm-hmm. um, but, but can also be in, associated with like skin conditions. Um, but it, it's, it's an infl- causes it like an inflammatory process within the body. Um, here in Nashville, uh, a lot of what I see as well is like mold fungal toxins. Um, it seems like Nashville kind of being, uh, this area being kind of like a bowl, uh, it, it makes me think things kind of, uh, fall in and, and kind of like stay in the area. And, and as well, you know, this is, this is a humid, uh, environment. Uh, so, um, a lot of people end up with, uh, black mold in their houses mm-hmm. or, or in their air ducts and, and don't necessarily know about it until, um, they start feeling ill and, um, whenever they start trying to figure out, okay, what's going on? Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, well some mold fungal toxins are, are showing up within your body. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might be a, an indication. So usually like what, whatever I find again, uh, will either confirm what, um, like Jamie or one of the other practitioners that have sent somebody in for muscle testing, uh, what they were already thinking and, or what some of their blood tests even, uh, was showing. Um, but they wanted just like another confirmation. I see. So if someone has <clears throat> parasites in their body, mm-hmm. you have a vial with a parasite in it, mm-hmm. and is it almost like magnets where the same pull or the opposite, I forget what, what that is, where the magnets push against each other? Yeah. Is it almost something like that? Almost something with, like with that. With the parasite in the body, interacting with the parasite in the vial? Yeah. Like the energy... It's coming from both directions and it creates a certain, it creates a certain like charge charge. Yeah. Is that how that works? Uh, That's what I would more liken it to is, is because, uh, you know, our, our bodies are pretty good, good conductors of, of electricity. Just, you know, anytime you're walking around (laughs) in the wintertime, especially when it's drier and and either zap yourself or zap somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, so our, our bodies are, are good conduits, uh, which is, is, is one of the reasons why the, the resonating is, is works. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm kind of making that, that conduit mm-hmm. um, for my testing. Um, so yeah, the, the, that energetic presence of the particular item in the body is, is basically... Um, Yeah, kind of like that, almost like an electric charge that yeah, that has been yeah. made. Well, I know one thing the body is a great conduit for, which is electrical current. We used to, I grew up in the country, and anytime we had someone from the city come, <laughs> you'd be like, we're going to grab onto an electric fence. Do you want to be the first one or the back one? And there'd be like three or four of us, yes. and we all knew, yeah. put him at the you, back. You do not want to be the one on the end. No, you don't. <laughs> and you're in the middle, you're in the front. No big deal. You feel yeah. a little something. No big deal. Hit that back one, man. And whoo. So the body, you know, obviously is a great conduit for electrical current. I think we all know that or have experienced that. And this is just sort of like 
you know, to the thousandth degree or whatever. Like this yeah. seems very fragile to me. Is it very fragile? Like you can, like, like you can, um, um, it seems like a type of energy that could get muted if you're not careful or no, it's, it just is what it is. And you're going to find a signal or not. What I've found in my testing. Yeah. It, it, it's either kind of there or, or not. Okay. Um, I mean, I suppose it, it's possible that it could be muted. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but okay. Let's say you gave me your vials mm-hmm. and I went to work on old Kobe over here. Yeah. Would it work for me too? Or do I need, uh, I, I mean, w- once you kind of, you get that feel. Um, so, uh, you would have to understand when the instrument is, is feeling different. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's the whole thing with the training. Doesn't matter how you really hold the vial. That's just is what it is. That yeah. you just need to figure out if the yeah. And you, and usually I'm, I'm I'm holding holding the vial between like my, so the vial will be will be like this. So I'm holding it between my fingertips and I'm just kind of passing it, it around the body, mm-hmm. uh, different areas of the body, mm-hmm. uh, especially once I've have, have kind of hit on it. Then I'm figuring out okay, where is this showing up strongest? What part of the body is this showing up strongest? Uh, is it showing up anywhere else? Um, I, I find w- in in the realm of parasites, uh, sometimes they're not only in the gut, but you know they can be up in the chest cavity, they can be in the head, or or sometimes they've moved down uh, into like the muscles of the legs. Mm. Um, there are other things uh, we we call them co-infections of Lyme. Um, so it, it's different types of like bacteria. Uh, there's another type of parasite called Babesia uh, that is kind of transferred through that um, through the bite from the insect, tick, whatever. Um, so uh, I, I test for those those types of things as well. And, and what I see a lot uh, as far as like with those co-infections of Lyme, uh, those end up in like joints, joint spaces, mm. and uh, which kind of can go along with some of the symptoms that some people feel, uh, uh, in, in the, in the Lyme, uh, field, uh, you know, they complain of like joint pain, joint inflammation. Um, so, so the things I'm testing for there, uh, so whenever I say that I'm testing for, uh, co-infections of Lyme, I'm, I'm not diagnosing, uh, Lyme's disease or anything like that. I'm just saying, Hey, there's some of these markers here, this warrants, further explore exploration. Mm-hmm. So what um, would your suggestion be then for people uh, if they want to start somewhere with putting less toxins in their body or maybe to put another way, what are the toxins you really think people should not be putting in their body? Man, um, man I, w- I would start with my food so- sources first. I mean, uh, food and water, mm-hmm. uh, like trying to make sure that you're getting the best. Cause I mean, that, that whole, you are what you eat, uh, kind of mentality. Um, if you're, if you start there, that, that can be a, a, a big, mm-hmm. a, a great place to start. And food that seems, um, more self-evident, I guess with, um, you're looking for natural, real food, you know. Yes. Few preservatives, no preservatives, et cetera. 
What do you think about um, water? What do you guys do? What do you suggest people do? Yeah. We have tap water here, obviously. We have one of those Berkey yeah, water filters. Uh, us as well. And we have the fridge. And for some reason, that Berkey water filter isn't working the best. I've been mm. We've been drinking out of the fridge a lot. I don't know what kind of filters on that fridge. I can't imagine it's... So, what? Do, yeah, what do you guys do? I mean, uh, we use uh, Berkey as well. Okay. Um, I mean, we, we do have the, the refrigerator filters. That, uh, you know, some filtration... Uh, again, that whole start with one thing. Start somewhere. So, some filtration is better than no filtration. I mean, if you're if you're able to cut down on uh, the things that are coming through your tap water, mm-hmm. that's a, a great place to start. Um, I, I understand what you're saying with with the Berkey. We've, we've sometimes had some issues there, and and uh, you know. Uh, I think it probably depends on your water sources too. Like, I mean, different areas they may not have to change out their filters on their Berkey as much. That could be, um, yeah, of course. But uh, a, a lot of what I am hearing now, and which kind of uh, was, was eye opening for me, because um, you know I, I was always taught dis- distilled water. Uh, you don't want to drink distilled water because it will basically rob the body of, of minerals because distilled water has everything taken out of it. So it is the purest water that you could, could intake. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'm kind of learning now is, okay, take that distilled water. And then if you want to add in minerals back into it, at least you know that your water is the purest water that it can be. And then you can add back in whatever you need. Uh, so uh, we have a, a bottle of um, just like minerals that we'll add in, add into uh, mm. our water to, to make sure that, that the minerals that our, our body needs um, is still there. Are you buying distilled water? Uh, we have, yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, often whenever we're traveling, uh, oh, okay, is, is when we're uh, we'll, we'll do more di- distilled water while we're traveling. Uh, okay. I, I have. Can you buy it at gas stations? So smart water is actually distilled water. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Do you add the minerals to the smart water? Or are you just like, yeah, we're going somewhere. Well, big, so, we do, so smart water. water does have things added back into it. So it does have like uh, electrolytes, m- minerals added back into it. Really? Yeah. So if so, so is smart water the best water you can buy at a gas station then? It, I, I would say it's probably one of the better ones. Okay. Yeah. And the only thing that could possibly improve on it is having it in a glass bottle. Exactly. Which is not going to happen. Right. But that, that, that's kind of our, uh, you know, we're on the go. It, it's one of our, okay, let's choose the best option. Yeah. And so, yeah, whenever we're traveling, we're trying to find uh, smart water yeah. and, and just hope that our body can process, process any uh, plastics that, mm-hmm. and I mean, that's, that's kind of the hard thing right now. Like the more research I, I do and the more things that we read about, like plastics are becoming so prominent in a lot of things. 
everything. We have a huge plastic problem and no one's talking about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think this, this is something I didn't know until recent years. I think most people have probably heard this by now, but there is a pile of trash floating in the ocean the size of Texas. The size of Texas floating in our ocean. Yeah. I mean, we're starting to get plastics now showing up in crazy places like the Amazon and all these places you would never think. I mean, plastic does, it lasts forever. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go away. Yeah. Um, the, the, yeah. I, it is um, weird to me how, one of the things I have, that I have, have noticed is, um, you know, no one likes to be in categories anymore, which I totally understand. I don't like that either when it comes to like right, left, you know, mm-hmm. politically yeah. and whatever. Yeah. I, I totally get it. I'm totally on board. Um, it's strange to me how some of my friends who are more on the right side of things politically will almost defend plastic. It's almost like... Interesting. Yeah, it's weird. It's yeah. it's like they, they've gone so far... This is painting with such a broad brush, but some people are so against the whole like environmental awareness and what's the term? Uh, global warming. Yeah. Is there another climate change? Climate change. Yeah. Like they're so against that or, or whatever. And I don't know enough about it to know, but it seems to me like it sometimes is um, emotionally charged. Oh, for sure. And um, but so I get that. But that has nothing to do with the fact that when we make this plastic stuff that's going to last forever and ever and ever and never disintegrate, yeah. you have to also agree this seems like a bad idea. Yeah, There needs to be a better way than this. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it, it doesn't go away, and it's everything. I mean, it's crazy. You know how quickly people buy a tray of bottled water i mean this doesn't have you don't have to do this in most cases i understand sometimes you kind of need to yeah but there's lots of ways we can start to trim down on um on plastic straws this is another example um that i bumped into a couple of times it's like some people just feel like oh they gotta have their straw at that restaurant okay fine you having a straw at a restaurant no big deal um but, you know, if I can drink out of a cup and not yeah. have that extra straw that's going to last forever, yeah, I'm happy to do that. You right. know, it's like, can we all agree, no matter what our political standpoints are, and no matter if we think global warming is as big of an issue as some think it is or not, or whatever, whatever all mm-hmm. that aside, surely we can all agree that making so much stuff out of plastic, which is toxic mm-hmm. and never disintegrates, we should limit that as much as possible yeah yeah i, I, yeah. <clears throat> it, I, I think it all comes back to uh, taking care of of the place where we live mm-hmm. um yeah I, you, you want to live in a clean home right i mean why wouldn't you want to live on a yeah clean earth yeah yeah no doubt no doubt um Anything else you want to talk about tonight, Philip? Um, no, I um, didn't know if you wanted to, to get in into like the chiropractic side of things at all, but um, yeah, I would love to. I would love to hear about that. Um, let me ask you this: uh, I have um, just to throw me out there as a as a as a dummy or a test case. Yeah, I have 
had two points of view on this. The one point of view that I have had for some time was, I think it, maybe I did this two or three times over the course of my adult life where I went on a kind of a system, mm-hmm. you know, pay the whatever it is and go three times, then two times, yeah. then, then once yeah. a week. And, um, and then I was talking to a chiropractor on this podcast. Actually, he owns a physical therapy place in Brentwood called Resilient health and performance, Josh Rankins. Okay. He's a chiropractor. Yeah. And he's not totally opposed to someone doing that if they really need it. But his philosophy is more of, you know, the, the chiropractors there when you need it. Yeah. If you need an adjustment, you should get an adjustment. If you don't need an adjustment, you shouldn't get an adjustment. And that's sort of where I've landed now. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, uh, I, I truly subscribe to the, uh, we are each our own best doctor. Hmm. We know our body better than any doctor could ever know. So we know when something is off with our body. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, and my goal, uh, as far as, you know, whenever I am treating somebody with chiropractic, uh, is, uh, to get them well as quickly as possible. Um, you know, my, my goal is, you know, within three visits, uh, at the most, you, you should, should see great, um, progress. Uh, if not like a a resolution, um, within that, that time period. Um, cause again, it goes back to our bodies were made to heal. Uh, so once we have, uh, taken away any resistance or hindrances to that healing process, uh, then, then leave the body alone, let it heal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so really, it, you know, kind of the, the, the approach that I take, uh, within my office, uh, is, um, yeah, it, if it warrants it, then I'm going to schedule you out a few, a few visits. But otherwise, if you're just coming in for like, wellness um i trust you to know your body and and again uh kind of the systems that i have i have set up with within the practice too is like knowing what needs to be adjusted what doesn't need to be adjusted um and leave the rest alone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um do you though suggest for pregnant women, the Webster technique. I I, I do love the Webster technique. I, okay, I, I'm a Webster technique uh, provider. Okay. Um, j- just uh, because of what I you know saw with with my own wife uh, throughout. Uh, so, what was nice was for our our third and fourth kids, I was I was her chiropractor, mm. and so I was able to make sure that she was. Uh, continuing to get uh, the care that she needed. And so really like the, the goal with Webster technique is, is helping, helping mom, uh, helping her body create the best environment for, for baby to grow mm. and then for baby to be delivered through. Because uh, if you ever look at, at kind of a, a mock-up of, of the pelvis, so the, the pelvis, the sacrum, how those all line up with each other. Just a, a millimeter of, of like difference changes that birth canal. 
where baby is, is delivered through. And so um, it can sometimes be the difference between a great birth experience and a, and a hard birth experience. Really? It can make that much of a difference? It can. Hmm. I mean, Mariana had that for all five of our kids. <clears throat> and her mom had nine babies, yeah. which is super easy. So I think she has good genetics Yeah, in general for, for that. But um, and, and you do see that. She did say she does feel like that helped her. Yeah. So it can actually make that much of a difference between a decent or a good birth experience and a bad one? I, I believe so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, our, our first birth experience was not a good one. Uh, and, um, yeah, uh, he, he just, it almost seemed like the whole birth experience almost like, uh, halt had a halt, uh, like it just was not progressing. And then, uh, her, uh, my wife's vitals started changing and his vitals started changing and they're, and they're like, okay, we got to go to the, to the OR now. And so ended up having to do an emergency C-section for, uh, for the first. And then, um, because of where we, where we were, uh, uh, for our second, uh, still in the air force, uh, still kind of in that Western medicine frame of mind. And the doctors were like, well, you've had one C-section, you might as well have another C-section. Mm-hmm. And so unfortunately, you know, I, we would have loved to have had, you know, kids naturally, um, I, I, I do sometimes wonder if, you know, possibly if our, our story and kind of the way things kind of ended up playing out, if it didn't help us to be a little more, um, uh, able to, to help people relate, um, as far as in that process, um, uh, maybe gave us a kind of a bigger heart for, uh, for helping people. Yeah. Why do you think that chiropractic is one of those areas that so many people think is bullshit? Uh, yeah. It, okay, it, you it, surely you've heard this, right? Like oh, this is this for is, sure. Yeah. For, it's, it's, it's attached to chiropractic care for, for some reason. Yeah. Um, it, it's, I don't know. I don't know enough about it. It's strange to me. Like it's, you don't have to get very far before you bump into someone who's like, now, nah, you know, chiropractic is, um, you know, whatever. Yeah. They think it's quackery or whatever, or, or it's going to kill you or, well, we do need to talk about one. We do need to talk about the, someone who got paralyzed. Kobe, um, text that link. So you got to do okay. it right. Right. Like yes. it's potentially it can be dangerous. You got to do it, it right. And, and, but, and, and that's too like, yeah. With the person who was paralyzed, I, w- I would want to know, okay, what what were the things leading up to that? Mm-hmm. Um, so you you do have to do like your kind of your due diligence to mm-hmm. to get a good health history, know know what they're coming in with. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, because there are people that I will not touch. I'm like, no, you're not you're not a candidate for for chiropractic. Oh, based on health history. Uh, so you know. If, if they're having like cervical stenosis, um, you know, if, uh, I, I guess one, one benefit of, uh, another job in addition to chiropractic that, that I've been in since, since I've got out of chiropractic school 
uh, for a time I was also working in, in a field called intraoperative neural monitoring. So I, I was in the operating room uh, running diagnostic tests on, on the patient as a surgeon is performing like spinal surgery. Um, so I, I have seen spines that were so degenerated. Uh, the body was, the body was trying to basically help stabilize. And so it was adding on bone basically. And so, uh, within the spine, you have your neural foramen. Uh, so those are the areas where the, the nerve roots exit from the spine, go, go out to the body. Right. And so that neural foramen, uh, if, if there is a, um, let's say it's C5, C6 within the cervical spine. Uh, so that's in your neck. Uh, let's say there becomes an instability there. The body in its wisdom is like, I need to stabilize this. And so it begins trying to stabilize it by throwing down more bone, which can cause uh, an issue if, if that foramen becomes narrowed, uh, then what ends up happening is there's pressure that ends up being placed on that nerve root and then people start feeling like tingling uh, into their shoulder, down their arm, things like that. So it, if I see something like that, I'm, I'm not going to go in and uh, adjust. And, and I think that's sometimes where uh, where people have, have gotten hurt mm-hmm. um, is, is from that kind of that, that thrust, mm-hmm. um, which uh, it, again, it, uh, my technique was kind of uh, came out of, um, I was hurt by a chiropractor, but that didn't change my thoughts on chiropractic. Um, so a, a lot of people, uh, like to go to very hands-on chiropractors who, who will do kind of the, the twisting and turning, uh, hands-on manual chiropractic. And if, if you, if you like that, that's great. That, and if that works for your body, I think that's great. But there, there are other people who, who are like me that don't like to be uh, twisted and turned. And so uh, what that uh, started for me was searching out techniques that allowed me to still give an, an effective adjustment uh, without the twisting and turning, which I, I feel like helps to, to lessen um, that risk in, involved. Uh, but still... If, if I know somebody uh, has like spinal issues going on, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm, I'm more hesitant to, uh, to, to treat them, um, which, which is unfortunate that they've gotten to like the point where they can't be treated chiropractic-wise because that kind of lessens their uh, things that are available to them. Yeah, no doubt. Now... You're talking about something I don't think I've ever heard of. Certainly, I've not experienced. There's a way to do chiropractic adjustments without the twisting and turning? Yeah. So the the technique that I utilize is something uh, called uh, torquilis technique. Um, so it, it's using it's an instrumented adjustment. Um, s- similar, uh, some people out there may have heard of like activator. Uh, so activator is, is another instrumented adjustment. It was... Uh, one of the first techniques that, that I learned, um, what I, 
the thing that I always wished about um, Activator was that um, some adjustments, especially like uh, C1, C2, so those top two, two bones of the cervical spine, um, require a, a, a bit of like a torque within the adjustment, mm-hmm. uh, whether that be to the left or to the right. Uh, activator can't can't give that. It's, it's just a straight uh, adjustment. Um, and I was like, well, wouldn't it be really cool if there was an uh, instrument out there uh, that would allow you to put that torque into the adjustment as well? And uh, lo and behold, I finally found the, that technique and that instrument. Mm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so that's what I, I utilize now. And so, and uh, again, uh, the whole technique that I utilize kind of goes back to the, the thought of the body being like this electrical circuit. Uh, so I, as I'm, uh, as I have my patient down on the table, I'm, I'm taking them through kind of a, a series of movements using, uh, what we call like leg checks. Uh, and, and yes, there are, there are people out there who have like naturally shorter legs, uh, like that imbalance is just there. But for the majority of us, we, we should be pretty even as far as like our legs, whenever we're laying down on the table, your, your feet are hanging off the end those those leg links should uh, kind of check out. Be comparable. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and so uh, then I am checking, okay, what is going to, going to help bring that back into alignment? And so I, it, it's almost like I'm flipping breakers. Uh, so I'll uh, basically check different areas of the spine to see what it is that uh, will even out those legs. And uh, if it evens it out, then I adjust there. If it, if it, if I go there and I touch that area and I come back and look at the legs, if that hasn't changed anything, I'm like, okay, that's not the, that's not the area that needs to be adjusted. Mm. Um, and so I, I think that this particular technique probably played well for me, given my electronic technician background. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it made more sense to me. That's very interesting. So I've not, I've not heard, I mean, like I said, I've not experienced this and I've and, not even heard of it. Yeah. There, there, and, and there are so many different techniques, uh, chiropractic techniques out there. Um, uh, and, and I think some work better for others than, um, I, I, but I, I have found this uh, particular technique very, so very people, helpful. Yeah. If people come to see you, you, you are not, you are not twisting their neck and popping it. Exactly. You're not pretzeling them and no. Wow. Huh. Okay. <laughs> um, so it would depend on why they're coming in, where they're experiencing pain, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, one of the main reasons that Mariana will take our kids to the chiropractor is they start to feel a little earache, maybe coming on. I mean, she will take them to yeah. the chiropractor yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, so if, let's say they're coming to you because they feel a little earache going on, what are, what are you doing then? So... So, so again, you know, for, for those kind of wellness, uh, checkups, um, you know, first off, making sure there's no, no new injuries or anything, nothing, nothing has happened between the last time that they've seen me. Um, yeah, again, we kind of get down on the table and I, I figure out what needs to be adjusted, what doesn't need to be adjusted. What I find most often with, uh, you know, kids and like earaches, um, it's often that upper cervical area, um, that needs some help 
it, it is out. There's, yeah. there's frequently something that is out. Yeah. Do you think that it being out is what could have maybe caused the earache to begin with or the earache yeah. causes it to go out? No, I, it, it's what uh, usually once that is out, like there's so many things, especially in that upper cervical area, like, but in, especially with, with kids and, and this earache thing, uh, the, the eustachian tubes then are not like, like that whole like sinuses and eustachian mm-hmm. tubes aren't as open. Uh, it, it's that clogged up eustachian tube that uh, allows bacteria and things to kind of stay stagnant and um, develop mm-hmm. into earache. Mm-hmm. And so if you make sure that all of that is flowing free and is, is, is moving well, um, then I see. So if someone's neck is out, it can absolutely cause earache, and particularly so in kids. Yeah. Okay. Um, what was your injury from a chiropractor? Uh, was a, uh, um, of course, during school, we're always, we're adjusting each other. Um, I was just coming in for kind of my regular uh, adjustment, um, went to do a, a, a cervical adjustment on me. I was laying on, lying on my back. I kind of, you know, twisted my head and like, I, I kind of, I, I felt it at, at the moment. Um, but you know, it was kind of okay. Went home, uh, went to sleep and, um, kind of during the night, I like rolled over and I was like, oh, that really hurts. And mm-hmm. like by the morning, whenever I woke up, I couldn't lift my head up off the pillow. Like it hurt so bad Ooh. that I ended up to be able to get out of bed. I had to like roll off oh, the yeah. edge of the bed to put my feet down and then like stand up and keep my head very, very still. Uh, it, it what it ended up causing in me, it was just like an extreme case of torticollis, mm. uh, which is where those muscles in, in the neck just kind of seize up. Mm. And, it, and it's very painful because they're just kind of in that state of spasm. Mm-hmm. Um, so did they do something wrong? It it could have been a, just kind of a, a too hard of a of a thrust. Okay, but so uh, they didn't screw your neck up or anything. It was yeah, just, yeah. The I muscle mean, needed time to relax again, and yeah. So you're fine now. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, okay. so, so it didn't cause any like lasting effects for me, um, but you know, seeing that, I, I could definitely see if if somebody did have like something more serious going on. Let's say it like that uh, neuroforaminal stenosis um, that that could cause mm-hmm. some some issues for somebody. Mm-hmm. Do you have that article that can you put it on the just curious what his take uh, would be on this offhand? When paralyzed after a visit to chiropractor now being treated at Shepherd Center. This was August 12th of this year. A Georgia woman who became paralyzed after a visit to the chiropractor is being treated in Atlanta. June 16th, she visited a chiropractor in Savannah for an adjustment to her neck. Soon afterwards, she got sick and was rushed to the emergency room. It's later. Okay. Tests revealed four dissected arteries in Jensen's neck. The damage led to cardiac arrest and traumatic brain injury. Oh, it's unclear if Jensen's yeah. injury occurred before so, or during the appointment with her chiropractor. Yeah. But surely that, that would be clear, right? Like the, for something like that the, to happen, you the, would have to be in a car wreck, right? Well, so, so that, that is a thing. Like how, how many times as, as kids, uh, 
because we go through some sort of whiplash injury. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I as a kid, I was a big BMX mm-hmm. uh, kid, so I, I'm sure there were, were plenty of times um, that I I did have some sort of injury going on. Sure, uh, but you know, off of what I see there, um, you know that that statement it's unclear if it occurred before or during the appointment. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I, I end up having like problems with, with things like this and sure. attributing it to a chiropractor. Right. Uh, cause if you can't say for sure that it, that it happened it, it yeah. to, to have a dissection of, of the, of the artery, that would be an extreme amount of force. Oh really? Um, for that to occur. Now, if there is a predis- uh, if there is some sort of injury there already, mm-hmm. then yeah, that could be could be possible. Yeah, it could be the straw that breaks the camel's back or whatever. Exactly. Well, and I guess and and, and sometimes what what I have heard as far as like, well, don't get your neck adjusted because I, I knew somebody that had a stroke after that. Mm. Uh, I've heard that. Um, my question would would be, well, was was there was there an embolus in the artery beforehand? Right. That has just been sitting there and waiting. Um, or did a, a dissection of the artery happen that, that caused some sort of uh, embolus to, to occur yeah. that would be sent to the brain or to yeah. other areas? Well, I guess in thinking about it from another angle, she was at the chiropractor presumably for some reason. Yeah. I have no idea what, but if she had no pain in her neck at all, she probably wouldn't have been at the chiropractor to begin with. Right. Having said that, though, it does seem logical, you know, I mean, one way to look at this would be she might have had something going on, some sort of whiplash, maybe some sort of injury that wasn't known. Chiropractor has no idea, yeah. does a standard adjustment, or maybe makes a mistake. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. I assume mistakes can be made. Um, in, in in all areas. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I always, um, that is where I have always felt, I think pretty much is, is I can't think of a time where I feel more physically vulnerable you know, then when that chiropractor has my head in head their hands, hands. Yeah. Yeah. My approach has always been, way. I want to go some where, where, um, you know, well, preferably you just go to the same place, you know, so you yeah. but go somewhere where you know about, you've heard about them. They're good. They have yeah. good recommendations. Yeah. And then, you know, just trust the process. Just like if you're in an airplane and you're not the one flying it, <laughs> you're along for the ride, yeah. you know? Um, so if you don't want to take the risk, don't get on the plane to begin with. But is that a common it is is very uncommon. Really, but, it always struck me. But as it's, like but it's one of the things that is always brought up: neck injuries, neck injuries, or like stroke, or oh, really? Or okay, something like that. I've always been shocked that there's not more injuries that occur because I've actually never heard of a neck injury. I mean, I don't follow along, but that was the first article I've ever seen of someone getting injured. Again, it's unclear where they got injured at the chiropractor right. or or whatever. It just seems to me like. I've always just thought, man, I hope they know what they're doing. Yes. Because they are cranking my neck around in yeah. ways I would never try to do myself. Yeah. And, 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 and to, uh, again, for me, that, that was why I, uh, I sought out techniques hmm. that w- would allow me to still give a, an effective adjustment with, without having to do that. Um, cause I know, I know that I personally don't like, um, like that. Mm-hmm. And I know that there are others out there 
that don't like that as well. Um, so that's highly interesting to me because the logic that I can see being totally ignorant on these things is one of the benefits that I have heard and makes sense to me is when your spine and neck is a, is properly positioned, all the nerves that go through there can flow properly. Then mm-hmm. you're getting better flow to your body. Yeah. That argument makes a lot of sense to me. And if your back is out, your spine's out, your neck's out, now you're pinching nerves, you're limiting flow, you're going to have problems in your body. That makes a t- ton of sense to me. <clears throat> and your approach makes sense because you're just sort of fixing the places that need to be sort of corrected to get that flow going again. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. I like that. Yeah. And and then you know, with, with Webster technique that it's such a gentle uh, adjustment as well. It's just uh, uh, kind of using a combination of both adjustments and then like some soft tissue uh, work to, to help uh, make sure that that or uh, help provide the best environment for, for mom um for her body to kind of stay in alignment. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so baby has the, the best um, chance. Mm-hmm. Um, adults now active adults, um, maybe exercise regularly eating decent. Is there any sort of a cadence you would suggest for them to visit a chiropractor if they're not feeling like something's out? Yeah. Like, is it a good thing to go every six months or every year or once a quarter or what's your take on that? Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think it's going to depend on, on each person too. Um, you know, if, if they respond well to once a month, if they respond well to every three months or once a quarter, um, you know, there have been times that I, I've held like my adjustment. So, so my goal in, in giving a, an adjustment is to get it to where your body um, you know, given the right environment, given, uh, kind of the removal of stressors, the things like that, we'll be able to kind of hold on to that adjustment. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's been times that I've, I've been able to go like six months between adjustments. Um, and I'm sure there's some people that have been able to go longer, mm-hmm. but, um, again, uh, I, I feel like each of us, are our own uh, best doctor. We know our body's the best. Um, so, um, yeah, once you get in tune with your body and, and kind of get that feel. Um, well, how do you know? What triggers it for you when you say like six months, then what are um, you feeling? It's like, oh, it's time to go back and get adjusted. For, for me, I, for me personally, I feel it more um, like in, in my neck, upper cervical, uh, things just seem to like be getting tighter. Like I, I can't get it to like release. Um, uh, one of the things that I utilize at home, uh, you know, as far as like stretching and things like that, uh, I, I have this thing called a chirp wheel um, that allows me to kind of, uh, it really hits those paraspinal muscles that are on each side of the spine. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of helps those to kind of almost melt and relax as, as I'm on that, especially after like a long day in the office, I'll, I'll really hit like that. Um, uh, my lower cervical upper, uh, thoracic area. Cause, um, I, I find myself kind of scrunching over sometimes. And, uh, you know, throughout the day I try to be cognizant of like what my body positioning is and, uh, you know, I'll sit up straight again and, 
Um, but, uh, yeah, whenever I find that, you know, no matter how much of like that kind of regular stretching and things that, that I'm doing, uh, it's feeling kind of stuck, then I mm -hmm. know it's, it's time for, for me to get adjusted again. Um, one of the instruments that I, that I found, uh, or ways of, of kind of figuring out with the upper cervical, uh, area was, um, we call them like a temperature faucet or a, a faucet temperature check. Uh, so behind each one of our ears. So, uh, between our ears and, and the occiput that, that, uh, bony process is called the mastoid process that kind of that soft space right behind the ear, um, is, is kind of has a relation to as far as where the uh, C1 is. And so sometimes I'll, I'll take like, just like a temperature check there uh, and check to see because those two temperatures should be balanced, right? It should be the same side to side. And if I see that they're too far off as well. So uh, I, I do that in addition to like uh, how I'm feeling. Let's check this out and see. Oh, interesting. See if, what do you use to check that temperature? You, know, you, you can use something as simple as just one of those little thermal scans. Uh, so, okay. so like you're, um, like the, you're like everyone was pointed at everyone's forehead and that or, or, uh, you know, the ones where, where we were, were placing them like against the, the forehead or the temple okay. or whatever. Just, so you just do it right behind the ear, right behind the ear. Yeah. How far down, like at the bottom of the ear. So, so it's like right behind kind of that earlobe. Um, mm -hmm. so There's you find bone right. So there. you find that bony process, yep. that soft spot mm -hmm. right in there. So in front of that bone? Yeah. It's like so, behind so right, the jawbone and in front of the... Mastoid process. Oh, okay. So right there. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. And so you... I never heard that. So you can check, you can... The temperature should be the same. Yeah. And if one's warmer than the other, it might be time for an adjustment. Yeah. Yeah. So usually if I see anything like 0.5 uh, or above, okay. difference, different side to side that lets me... Okay. That says, hey, I might, I might want to get this checked out. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad we talked about that. Um, all right, where can people go to find you on the internet? Uh, so uh, my website is uh, sozowellness615.com. Uh, go on there and find out a little bit about me, um, uh, as, as well as um, if, if you want to come see me, you can click schedule now and mm -hmm. uh Choose, choose location. I'm in a couple of different locations. Uh, um, Mondays and Thursdays, I'm in Hermitage. And then uh, now Tuesdays and Saturdays, I'm in Franklin. Okay. Where are you uh, at in Franklin, by the way? Uh, so uh, right across the street from uh, Urban Market. Uh, oh, really? There's a set of buildings. Uh, so I, I rent space out of uh, Haven Birth and Wellness. Oh, okay. Uh, there. Yeah, yeah. That's more like Cold Springs, right? Or Yeah. Um, yeah uh, there's only one Urban Market, right? Yeah. 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 It's on this side of Franklin. Yeah. 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 Not far from here. Which days uh, are you there? Well, uh, so I'm there on uh, Tuesdays and Saturdays. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to cover? Uh, I think that's it. Okay. Well, thank you very much for yeah. coming out tonight. I really enjoyed this. I'm, I'm glad we had this conversation. I do feel like I understand, at least preliminarily, the beginnings of like the science behind that muscle testing thing. Yeah. But do you... Do you bump into people though that just can't be sold on it? Oh, for sure. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And and I'm to to them. I'm, I say, God bless. Yeah. yeah. I hope I hope you find 
uh, a way. I hope you find help. Yeah. And, and if it's not me, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I just, I want people to, to find help that they need. Mm-hmm. And if it's not with me, then, um, that is, that is completely fine. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, thank you very much for being yeah. on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you very much. Good night, everybody. Try to catch me howling at the moon.